Collected Gamers, episode 11. Today is Sunday, June 19th. I'm Tony. And I'm Dennis. And we're going to change things up a little bit this time. Uh, this is going to be our E3 special episode. We're going to be pretty video game heavy. And uh, we are joined by our special guest helping us out here with the video games. Uh, yes, I want to go ahead and introduce Mike. Mike, welcome to the Eclectic Gamers Podcast. Hello, it's good to be here. Uh, Mike is a, a big-time console gamer. He's active on all the current generation consoles from Nintendo, Sony, and Microsoft. And so we wanted to bring in someone who had outside expertise in video games, because as those of you who have been listening to us know, Tony is very PC-oriented. PC gamer master race. That's right. That's what he is. And I'm a dirty, dirty peasant. And... and, and <laughs> And I'm in the middle where I, where I uh, primarily play on Xbox, but I do also uh, some lighter PC gaming. So with three minds into the brain trust, we're hoping that we'll actually be able to adequately summarize E3 and all of the excitement that it entails. But because of the order uh, and importance of video games, we're, we've got the order change up. So we're going to actually hit tabletop first, then we'll go into pinball, and then we're going to spend the bulk of our time talking about E3 for the video game segment. So, Tony, you want to kick us off onto the tabletop? I will. And uh, as you may have noticed, we're actually doing this in person again. So if there's any weird echoes or weird sound in the background, that's entirely the fault of us actually being together again. Yes, but so much easier. It is a lot for easier. For discussion. We're going to, starting the tabletop, I've only got one thing I want to hit in tabletop today, so I'm going to keep it pretty short. Um, I've mentioned multiple times before I play a lot of Star Realms. I play a lot of online Star Realms. And I like to play in person a lot. Well, this company that creates Star Realms uh, has a new Kickstarter out. Uh, we'll include a link to it, and it's called Hero Realms. What it does is it takes the Star Realms uh, play type, the Star Realms general rule set, and it's another card game, but it's got a fantasy setting. It's designed so you play against your friends head-to-head like you can in Star Realms or in groups. You can do, they are going to have custom starting decks you can get. So you have a deck that, oh, I'm going to play a cleric. So you have a deck that's specifically for a cleric or for a fighter or a ranger, thief, wizard, dragon, all sorts of stuff. And then they've got campaign decks that they're putting together. And with the campaign decks, you can do cooperative adventures where it's you and your friends playing against a uh, primary goal or a boss and adventuring you gain skills and equipment and it, it lets you play light RPG using cards uh, so for if you're for people who are very much into the more crunch type games and the very hack and slash with less care about the RP this is something that would probably work pretty well for them um, I haven't actually played it yet uh, I have back to Kickstarter because I love Star Realm so much that I want anything these guys do. So, uh, like I said, we'll have the link in the thing, and that's about all we're going to have for Tabletop this week. All right, well, let's go ahead and shift into pinball, and the only thing we're going to do in pinball is provide an update for the 1980s Pinball Machine Mania Tournament. So, Friday, we wrapped up the end of round three, and so we're getting ready for round four, but let's go ahead and go over round three. Uh, in terms of the regions, the there were upset, upsets in every single region except the other region. 
in the other region, uh, Sea Witch, which is a stern game, uh, did beat Nine Ball, which is also a stern game, and Stargazer, which is stern, beat out Robocop, which is Data East. And both of those victories were 75% uh, margins, which is not surprising at all. Yeah, I expected how, that. Right, uh, and, and given, given where they seed. Uh, so for the other regions in Williams, there was, one, there was an upset. Taxi, which is the three-seed title going in, beat Earthshaker, the number one seed, with 72.2% uh, of well, the that's, that's a pretty hefty upset right it there. It is, and I'd like, to, I'd like to say it played exactly into my prognostication, which was that a lot of people know Taxi. Uh, it's been in Pinball Arcade for a long time, and so I think a lot of people who maybe only know virtual pinball would have favored Taxi. That said, I voted for Taxi as well. I voted for Taxi. I, think, I, like, I like Taxi. It better. I like it better than Nurse Shaker. Uh, uh, and so then, uh, and not surprisingly, Pinbot did beat High Speed. So. I'm sad, but I'm only not. a little bit. I, I really love both games. It's now, but but I think Pinbot is better. I voted for Pinbot. I just I like High Speed. Well, it only won by fifty five point six percent. So it was a close. It was close. Uh, Gottlieb region. The upset was TX Sector, the number four seed, beat Black Hole, the number two seed, with fifty five point six percent of the vote. I know TX Sector is a pretty popular game. Uh, I like Black Hole. I've played a fair yeah. amount of Black Hole. I really enjoy I, I voted Black for Hole. Black Hole. Uh, Black but, Hole was actually the Gottlieb. I kind of wanted to win the whole uh, Gottlieb region, but obviously that's not going to happen. <laughs> I know TX Sector just came out uh, for Pinball Arcade on the computer and I believe the mobile versions. I don't think it's out on the console versions. So that may also help it out as well. Black Hole, though, has been in the arcade for a long time. So Yeah. Uh, the other uh, matchup in Gottlieb was Haunted House, uh, which did finally put down the never-seeming-to-die Genesis. Uh, so, <laughs> so we don't have to talk about that weird, ugly back glass anymore. So there's no Genesis effect. No, gone. no. You think, think that 14-seed game has finally been put down. It just took the number one seed to do it. Uh, Bally region is the final region. Uh, the upset was 8-Ball Deluxe, which is the four-seed game. It did beat the two-seed Centaur with 52.9% of the vote. So it was very close. Yeah, that's very, a really tight. I'm, I'm kind of surprised. I mean, a Centaur's a really good game. Uh, yeah, they both have interesting layouts. Uh, Centaur's got better audio work, I think most people would say. That's the big downside to 8-Ball is uh, the electronics sound awful. It looks great. I mean, Yeah, it, it looks good. It looks great, but the audio... <coughs> The audio is really poor, but it is what it is. Uh, and uh, Elvira and the Pony Monsters, unsurprisingly, uh, did beat Fathom. Say it isn't uh, so. Uh, and I did think that maybe Fathom would have a chance. Elvira had over sixty percent of the vote, though, so uh, it, I did not call that one well. <laughs> um, so the round four matchups uh, will be the ones to determine who will represent each manufacturing region so to speak so this will be the last of the regional breakouts so with williams we're going to have the three seed taxi it's going to go up against the five seed pinbot gottlieb will be the one seed haunted house against the four seed tx sector bally will be elvira which is the one seed against the four seed eight ball deluxe the other region which is now just stern will be sea witch which is the one seed against stargazer which is the two seed so we'll have a link to this in the show notes. We'll get it announced as we normally do. Uh, voting will be just under two weeks, and then we'll know who our final four machines will be representing these four manufacturers. So with that said, we're ready to go to video games. All righty. We are going to open with the conferences. Obviously, they're the big things that start before the 
E3 itself opens up. So we'll start by hitting the conferences, and then we'll just hit highlights of stuff we've seen off of the show from the show floor at the end. Yeah, so we're going to try and loosely follow chronology at first, and then we're going to go back and hit anything we want to really talk about that wasn't already yet mentioned. So because of that, uh, let's go ahead and start with Square Enix, because it kind of got started before E3 was going. They did a bunch of multi-day streaming. Uh, They didn't really have a real press conference. Uh, So... I think this will just be a good time to talk about anything that anyone saw, if they watched any of it. I didn't watch any of it live, but I did catch some of the trailers and such that were featured. So one of the things I think that we should mention, which is sort of the elephant in the room whenever it comes to Square Enix this year, is Final Fantasy XV. And I know it's going to crop up further on during our discussions because, and I want to talk about those presentations the unique one the unique one at least when we get to the microsoft section they but, were both pretty special okay yeah. so i guess um you know we've mentioned the uh, we've mentioned final fantasy on on a prior podcast i i've played the demo what do what do you all think my experience with the demo was it's pretty it it, it had new things like most final fantasies have but I wasn't blown away by it, and for a 10-year life cycle, I still don't understand what the big deal is, but other than, I guess, yay, that they're getting it out. But, I mean, anyone have any thoughts about, broad thoughts about Final Fantasy XV, or anything they saw from the Square Enix presentation on it? I'm pretty much done with Final Fantasy, I think. I don't know, it hasn't grabbed me. The They haven't grabbed me in a while. I, I mean, 9 was my last reel, and I really liked, and... 10 was okay. And, of course, I mean, 11. I, we, we all played a lot of 11. Yeah. But, but, I mean, that's a completely different beast. Uh, this one, the idea, there's interesting ideas behind it. The art looks nice. But every time I see it, I just don't really, it doesn't grab me like some of the other games that we're going to talk about here had me go, oh, I want that game. Final Fantasy's just not doing it for me this time. Well, Final Fantasy's never really been a big RPG for me. I never really got into it. I didn't play them on the NES. I didn't have a PlayStation, so I never played 7 or any of those. Um, my RPG of choice has been the Tales of series. So I look at 15, it's just kind of like, eh, I might play it when it goes on sale or something, but it just it doesn't strike me as anything overly interesting. I mean, I like that they're finally going towards a more action RPG route because that's the kind I like, but... Otherwise, it's just kind of like, eh. So the combat hasn't, hasn't won you over from Not what you've from seen. what I've seen of it, no. Because I wonder, because I know your your historic gripe with Final Fantasy has been they stuck with their turn-based routes for far longer than they needed to. Yeah, well, I look at this, and it looks more just hack and slash than actual RPG is from what I've seen of it. So it's not really what I'm looking for in an RPG. Okay. And it doesn't help that a lot of the actual play stuff that they did... Sh- did get shown at the various conferences weren't good choices. It did not show the game off very right. well. You're right. I, I agree. And, and we'll, we'll mention some of that a little bit more later. Yeah. On, but, uh, another big game uh, that SE has been pushing really hard, more from the old Eidos line, would be Duex. Uh, Duex Mankind Divided is the biggie that they were showing off. But also, I know they have a Duex Go, which is a mobile game that's in the vein of Hitman Go. I have not seen any of the footage for the new Duex. I haven't played any Duexes. I know there have been mixed opinions on some of the older ones. Some people, uh, it's more polarizing than mixed. Some people really love it. Some people seem to just not like that sort of gameplay where you, you, know, you have an option to do stealth, cybernetic sort of stuff. 
could also allow you to be very offensive. I don't know if anyone had any thoughts or wanted to talk about Duex, but it apparently mattered a lot to Square Enix, so I wanted to at least mention it to people. Well, it really is their big... It's one Next to Final Fantasy, it's their big hit. It's something people have been looking forward to. It's a really popular series. I played the first one. I, I actually own all of them. I've played a couple of the others, but I haven't completed any of the others besides the first one because they're, they're very generic. It's just how they feel. I mean, they've got a good premise. It just never feels like they finish on it. It's how, like, a lot of the games lately, you've seen this big trend towards everything's an over-the-shoulder game that all looks kind of the same. I mean, there's the... But it's like what they had that, but back when first-person games were coming out, and they had really interesting ideas, and some of them worked and some of them didn't. And it always felt like the other iterations just didn't pick up as well as the first one did. They, they were more samey. They, they didn't move forward better with the best parts and dial back the worst parts. It was just kind of like, oh, this is the same game, but with better graphics and some new perks. Mike, did you have any thoughts on Duex? Haven't played any of them, so not really. Okay. Uh, well, I mentioned Hitman Go when I was talking about uh, Duex Go, so I should note that they're, another game that they're getting ready to have come out is uh, Hitman. I think it's just called Hitman this time. Um, I liked their last go, Hitman, I shouldn't say go because we were just talking about Hitman yeah. Go, uh, Hitman Absolution. Some people didn't like the approach of Absolution. I thought it worked pretty well. I didn't do a lot of the on multiplayer online you, you, stuff. You don't like killer latex nuns? Yeah, it's, I don't know what that is. <laughs> was it, or, was that, or was that not Absolution? Was that, was that the Hitman before? Where you were attacked by the assassin nuns that were all in latex? I don't you know, I think it was the one before. It was the one before. Wow. That was the last one I played. Wow, I blanked. Yeah, I blanked on that. Yeah, it must have been the last one. No, no, uh, absolutely. How do you blank on that? I, mean, <laughs> I don't know. Because the, the trailer, the, the, I don't were, like the core part right. of the trailer when you played it. When the first time they showed up, it was weird. That so. was back in my de- the day where I didn't play Hitman appropriately. I gave him all the assault rifles, and he would just go with fully automatic weapons, and. <laughs> He would just play dress-up while he shot everyone. He wasn't really in disguise and sneaking. But I played Absolution more legitimately. Um, and part of it is I think they made it e- more approachable. It's kind of like the... Um, they did that with Splinter Cell also, which some people didn't really... When it moved from its more stealth roots to a more action stealth, I think Hitman's done that as well. Anyway, this game's already on my wish list. I did not watch any new presentation on it because I'm already interested... Is this the one they're doing the episodic where they're releasing the episodics? I'm not. I don't. I'm not familiar with. The I thought that was already out. That's what I was thinking too. Because I know. Because I know. I heard on a different podcast. I don't remember which one that they were. That just a new episode dropped just before E3. The listing I saw was it's just a full retail release for purchase. I think. Okay. So this, so this is something. This is right. a completely different now, one. Yeah, than my, I'm guessing so. Versus okay. a versus a like Resident Evil Revelations where, where they bundled or at least Revelations two where they bundled episodic content and then released it uh, as a retail, which is how I acquired that. So uh, let's talk about some of the more Japanese-style-oriented uh, games. So they're not all JRPGs. I am um, Setsuna. Did anyone see anything on I am Setsuna? I did not. But I, I, I didn't see anything of it during the show, but I have seen some stuff about it before, and it's something I'm very interested in. I think it's coming out next month, but it's very old-school in its approach. Um, I've heard the combat is described as Chrono Trigger. Not Chrono Trigger meets anything else, it's just the combat is Chrono Trigger. 
No, that's not a bad thing. So that alone got me interested in it. Um, I've seen you know, a few videos of the combat, and yeah, it's Chrono Trigger. It looks very much like Chrono Trigger. You've got the team-up attacks and everything. Wow. It's been a long time since we've seen anything that was Chrono Trigger, yeah. besides Chrono Trigger. Yeah, they that's... released Chrono Trigger just a couple years ago, didn't they? Um, on a couple platforms, I Yeah, I, th- I have it on DS or 3DS or one of those. Yeah. Well, it's one of those that's maintained its love. I remember back in the... The start of the year at uh, Awesome Games Done Quick. That was what their big closeout game was uh, playing Chrono Trigger, speedrunning it. So okay, so I'm Setsuna. Chrono Trigger fans, take heed. Uh, another game, another JRPG, uh, Star Ocean: Integrity and Faithlessness. Now I did see some of the trailer footage for this, so let me open with a question that I'm hoping one of you two can answer. Where are the nostrils? The girls <laughs> lost their nostrils. The guys seem to have nostrils. Girls, no nostrils. Very odd. Very odd artistic design choice. My response to that is because Japan. <laughs> I think that's the best answer right there. I don't know, but I played the last Star Ocean, which I guess was technically Star Ocean 4, but it was a prequel to all of them. I enjoyed it. Um, I know Star Ocean fans didn't really like that one. Why? I'm not certain. I think some of it boils down to some of the characters. A lot of people really hated Limmel. You might know her as K-Girl, the girl who ended all of her sentences with K. Yeah. yeah. Um, She didn't really bother me much, but um, I really liked the combat in it. It's very, um, you know, it's all real time. You basically map all your special moves to a button plus a direction, and then you can do, like, combinations with that kind of stuff. Um, The new one, from what I've seen of it, is finally dealing with one of the big problems I've always had with JRPGs is where you have this group of like seven, eight, nine people, but when you go into battle, you can only use three or four. This one, all of your party fights at the same time. Oh, that'd be nice. Yeah, I uh, saw the all the little bars on the on the footage I was seeing, and it was like, oh wow, there's really no technological reason to have not done this before now, and it never has made sense to me, especially in some games. Uh, including Final Fantasies, at least some of them, like Seven, where if you didn't rotate the party, they started to fall behind in level. Uh, and, you know, some games would try and do weird compromises where you get partial XP, but and then some would just go ahead and give in, and I was less griping about cases where you got full XP even if you didn't use them, but because later on, for story reasons, a lot of times they'll force you to use certain party members. That, you know, they have to break up the party and all that. And it was just te- it was just annoying because there were certain play styles I didn't like. But it honestly never made sense because, like, well, where's the rest of the crew? We're, we were all traveling together. If the 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 Marlboros appear, where'd they go? Where, where were my friends? <laughs> They're in the back cheering for emotional support. Yeah, I guess so. I always hated when they forced me to use Tifa. Oh, Tifa. Tifa. Uh, we don't need to dive into that. Um, so yeah, so yeah, that caught my eye and graphically looked great. I thought it was shiny, shiny and cool. yeah. Well, Star Ocean has this weird mix of kind of looking medieval but having spaceships mm-hmm. and very sci-fi stuff mixed in with it. Like the the last one I played, their reasoning for having your characters use like swords and bows and stuff like that was like for some reason the monsters you fought were immune to their laser guns or something like that. Which was kind of weird, because then you got a party member later on who was basically just an android with guns that popped out everywhere on him, but... The slow blade pierces the shield. Yeah, yeah that's exactly rare. what I was thinking of. The, <laughs> the, the rules on uh, uh, in Dune and the explanation for why they didn't use... They had to use certain older older tech. 
sort of thing. Third uh, Japanese game I wanted to bring up is not, not an RPG, but Nier Automata. That looks interesting to me. I played the original Nier, which from my understanding was kind of a weird quasi-sequel to the original, I believe it was called Drakengard, but it was like a sequel to one of the bad endings. Interesting. Kind of weird, but I mean, it wasn't, since I hadn't played that, I knew nothing about it, but I was able to the game was pretty much self-contained in how it went, but very weird mix of kind of, you know, just action RPG-ish, but the boss fights are where things got interesting, because it's like the developer wanted to make a bullet hell game, but they told him to make an action game anyway, so he said, screw it, I'm just going to put in bullet hell bosses. So you're fighting bosses, and occasionally the camera will just pan up over top, and you'll have this spray of fire going out everywhere that you have to avoid. Yeah, and I, I've seen some footage from the new one, which is being made by Platinum Games. They're made busy. Up- they are they are this year. Yeah, they are putting their hands in everything. But I was on board with Platinum when they made Bayonetta. I played that and I'm like, this is the best action game I've ever played. I love played. Bayonetta. The only reason I had never, I didn't play Bayonetta two is because it was on uh, something that it's I on don't Wii U. Have. Yeah, and yeah. I played it and it's just as good as the first. I mean, because Bayonetta was an amazing game. But and this gave me a, when I saw the the footage trailer, it gave me a feel that it looked. It reminded me of Bayonetta in terms of like. Combo-oriented combat yeah. sort of thing. Platinum Games knows how to do action very well. They can't make a good Star Fox game, but they know how to do action. And this one looks really cool. I, I watched the trailer for it, and I watched a few other videos of it. Um, one of them showed one of the big boss fights. And yeah, it just it looks insane because you have so much freedom of movement to avoid all of the stuff that's coming at you. All while attacking. I think they have like multiple different kinds of weapons. So you've got large swords... You've got, like, these giant fist weapons. Plus, you have this little robot that follows you around that can shoot at things. And you've got, like, an AI partner that I guess is with you through parts of the game. But I guess in some other parts you actually play that character. But it sounds really cool. All right. Now, one thing, one quick thing is on Platinum Games. Well, Platinum does some really good stuff. They do some really bad stuff. Yeah. I mean... I heard their Legend of Korra game was apparently not very good. No, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles is supposed to be really bad. Well, I've and heard, that just came out. I've heard its big problem is that it's really short. Really short and recycles a lot of environments. Kind of like what Transformers Devastation did, but at least that one game was a little bit longer. And I enjoyed that game, but yes, it was kind of short. I can see support for short games if they don't launch at a full price point. Yeah, yeah. we're launching at full price. Or right. at least we're like 50. But, I mean, obviously they've got so many games coming out that they're running multiple teams. Yeah. So that's definitely yeah, going to be... because once we get to Microsoft's conference, we'll be talking about another game they're working on. That's right. Well, that was all I had to hit on that was uh, exclusively focused on Square Enix. Did anyone have anything else that they wanted to mention from the SE presentations? No, no. I, I, I barely even touched the SE stuff. Okay, so. let's move on to EA. It's in the game. It's in the game. Here we are, EA. Uh, Titanfall 2, let's start with, because that's what they started with. No shock, it looked a lot like Titanfall 1 to me. <laughs> They've definitely added a lot of new stuff to it. I know they. Uh, it seems like they at least doubled the number of titans. I got this, there were new weapons. It looked like it's probably they probably doubled just about everything, is my sense. The big news, which was known for months before E3, was that there is a single player campaign. They gave a little taste of it during E3 during the press conference, where you got a sense sort of that it seems like there's some sort of bond perhaps between the Titans and their pilots in a way. And I don't know, they're supposed to be fully sentient or it's just sort of a programming thing. But anyway, there's lore there, or they want there to be lore there. You could tell they wanted it in Titanfall 1, but. Now that it's now that Titanfall Two will be out on multi platform, a lot of people will be able to play it, and they're they're I think responding to the big criticism because 
I thought Titanfall 1 played great. My problem is when I've gone to play other first-person shooters, I sometimes still think I can move like I could in Titanfall <laughs> 1. Like I have some parkour elements. Yeah, the parkour jetpacky yeah, jumpy and, stuff. Yeah, and it worked really well. It wasn't like Brink, which was uh, it was ambitious, but it just it didn't feel good. It feels really natural. It doesn't feel like oh, I'm not a really good. I'm not good at platforming. How can I play Titanfall? It's not that bad. Titanfall. <laughs> it's very friendly. It's very generous with uh, with the ability for you to move around. It's still first and foremost a first person shooter. But uh, any thoughts on Titanfall two? I think that I really liked the single-player trailer. It gave me a lot more interest in the game. I mean, I already had some interest in the game, but that single-player trailer really grabbed it for me because the whole almost symbiosis between th- type thing that they kind of implied and how the Titan looks to be an actual character and not just a vehicle to be disposed of at will seemed really interesting to me. I wonder if this isn't going to be one of those titles that is like um, Assassin's Creed, where Assassin's Creed started. Assassin's Creed 1 was a good game. It had some issues. It wasn't an amazing game. But when Assassin's Creed 2 dropped, they, they really polished all the stuff about it that made the first Assassin's Creed likable. And But 2 is what really created that franchise or really pushed that franchise into what it is. And I think they've got a chance with Titanfall to do the exact same thing. F1 was almost more of a, this is what we need to get the kind of money we need. If this is successful as a multiplayer little thing, we'll get enough money and enough people looking at us that we can do what we really want to do. And I, that's kind of the feel I get that it's kind of, that was a, it was a, let's go with what we have. And if it does good, we can do what we really want. I'm, I'm looking forward to the second one. I really enjoyed the first game. Um, like Dennis said, the, the freedom of movement in it, it's all very fluid. You can move around the battlefield so fast and... Who doesn't love jumping in a giant mech? Yeah, I mean, it is the, <laughs> when it comes to vehicular, well, mech-specific combat, there's been a lot of games that have kind of flirted with it a little bit, but don't always go all in. And, and Titanfall really, I mean, you and the, and the mech are critical. And you don't always have to be in it. It can be automated, so there are a lot of strategic options you have uh, while you play it. It's a really good game, and it wasn't ever on my radar. It's just the sales were so extreme on it after it had been out for almost a year that I finally dived in, and I was glad I did. So I'm, I'm looking forward to this. Uh, it's on the wish list. Uh, next thing that EA presented was Madden. So um, I should say I haven't played a Madden uh, since the 90s, if I recall. If I recall. Uh, as near as I could tell... This was just yet more incremental change. I saw them note nothing new or revolutionary about the series. I think, it to me, it felt like they knew that, okay, well, Madden is their big sports franchise in the U.S. We have to mention it and show some footage of it, but uh, we're just going to give you same old, same old, which I guess if you love Madden, you'll love that. But that also means I have no interest because I didn't for the last... 15 years. Yeah, I, I, I haven't cared. The only thing I find interesting is it's still Madden, and Madden's not even voicing in the game. I mean... Yeah, I guess that the recognition, they just can't let it go at this point. It's it's its own it's its own brand. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't really play sports games that much, so it's not really anything I'm interested in. Well, then you'll love our next, <laughs> next topic, <laughs> yeah. because the next game was FIFA 17. Now, I will say that at least FIFA was getting some significant changes. So the main thing is they're adding some sort of story mode where you're a starting player. 
uh, and uh, starting out in the league, and then you, I think that's an interesting idea because most sports games, at least all the ones, and I, I, I like Mike. I don't, I don't play them much, uh, but the ones I have played, they don't really have story mode where you're actually engaged in a campaign. You know, it's usually all about picking the players and running your season or league or whatnot. But so there was that. Uh, they also noted that they were adding uh, managers, at least a few managers from the, I guess, the Premier League or something. I don't know. I don't watch soccer, but. Uh, I and so I don't know why that was a big deal, but the crowd, at least the crowd in London, seemed excited. <laughs> uh, so I guess it was a big deal to them. Uh, but uh, Tony, do you have any thoughts on FIFA? I think they might have succeeded in getting my vote for the worst guest appearance of the entire thing. When the, the man whole of all of E three. When, 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 when the FIFA manager came on for the thing and he's just oh. kind of like standing there, he's oh. like, oh, that you're, part. You're, "Your son plays, right?" Yeah, but I mean, it was just the guy so obviously looked like, "Well, you gave me my check and told me to be here, so I'm here. What do you want from me?" I completely forgot about that. I thought you meant the part where the guy. The actor who played for the story mode, he came out and started thespianing it up, <laughs> chewing the scenery. Oh, no, 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 no. Great, I was like, here's the best actor of them all because he is an actor. <laughs> and I was like, holy cow. No, 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 no. no someone who just, just, just got done watching Wrath of Khan and was like, <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, Khan. No, no, that's too subtle. <laughs> chomp, chomp, chomp. <laughs> scenery. Okay. <laughs> yeah, that, that was like, that is. That one was. That one was definitely awkward. Something less awkward, and something I think we all probably have more positive thoughts on, would be Mass Effect Andromeda, which was the next game. They didn't show a lot. Uh, They did note that they've shifted over, and actually I think they're doing this for a few games now, but they've shifted over to putting it in the Frostbite engine. I know Mike and I are familiar with Frostbite because we've had that with Battlefield for a while. It's supposed to be very open world style gameplay. Well, world's kind of weird. Open universe style, galaxy style but gameplay. Everything's open world anymore. Right. I mean, the the whole linear game thing yeah. seems to be very much on the low end anymore. It, 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 open world is the way everything's going. It is, and I I'm, I'm assuming it's a fad. But some ga- some games lend themselves better than others. This sort of RPG style definitely has been falling in. The WRPG style has been really embracing the open world for yeah. quite a while, and I and I don't blame them because those are the ones that have been the most successful. The Skyrims are what are what are selling big time. They are. This is also not a part of the original trilogy. It's just set in the same. Yeah, I'm I'm curious how they're going to tie it in with the original trilogy. I won't say much since I know someone hasn't completed it yet. Yeah, I haven't played three yet. Yeah, me neither. Yeah, see? Lots of people haven't. (sighs) Yeah, well... But one of the... I mean, I was kind of disappointed with how little they showed, because this was something I was very much looking forward to. But also, you know, they talked about, you're in a new galaxy, you know, all, all these new races and stuff, and throughout everything they showed, all I saw was... A human, a Krogan, and a Nasari. Yeah. Where are the new races? There's a big spider crab thingy monster thing. That's a race. I mean, that's a race. You can't be... There are giant enemy crabs in every game. You have to attack the weak spot for massive damage. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it just probably snuck in from the Half-Life universe. Just looking at the, all the games we're going to be talking about, some we have talked about. Open world... Giant crabs and grappling hooks appear to be the theme of E3 this year. I mean, it's just everything's got a grappling hook. That's right. Everything's got a grappling hook. 
I'm, I'm pretty certain I have a grappling hook now. Probably do. Just from watching the conferences. We might but, have to grapple gate. Grapple gate. Yeah, grapple gate. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, okay. Here's a game. Next game up that did not have a grappling hook, at least as far as I could tell. Fit. Or is it feet? Indie I game did. looks indie. <laughs> <laughs> it's part of the EA Originals program, which is a new effort, apparently, that EA has launched to promote indie games. I have seen a lot of um, news buzz about that because they did indicate during the conference that all of the profits actually go back to the indie developer, not to EA. Well, see, that, those are the EA that's originals. cool. I like that. So it's interesting, but as near as I could, I, as near as I could tell, I was, when I watched this, I jotted down, Fee is an artsy game where you are a forest <laughs> creature and all forest elements have a song. <laughs> And so that's my synopsis of what I could tell about it. But I couldn't really get a feel for the gameplay elements. I mean, it looked visually, it was very unique. It very was purple. It was very purple. It was very indie uh, in, its, in its style. But it didn't look like, specifically, I couldn't say, oh, it looks, you know, it looks like limbo, but purple. It, I mean, it was its own thing. Plimbo. But, yeah. <laughs> Okay, so anyway, uh, for those of you who like indie-looking games, uh, check out FIFA. Uh, all right, next, uh, broadly, Star Wars. Now, this, for me, was a mess. There are, are a lot of games that are upcoming being worked on by a lot of different groups, and they showed next to nothing about any of them. I could tell it was a mix of genres, which I assume is to try to appeal to every possible Star Wars fan out there, which I completely Except understand. Except for the people that with one another Rogue Squadron or an X-Wing or something like yeah. that. <laughs> um, and they, they focused a bit on that they're doing some original stories, original game stories in the universe, which... Okay. I mean that's happened before as well, so let's not let's not be let's not be too exuberant about it. And there was a scene with someone who was using, I guess, the PlayStation VR and was inside an X-wing. So I know that yeah, led, but that, led to speculation. Is it X-wing versus Tie Fighter? With VR it support? was a modded version of Battlefront. Mm. It is a VR experience. Like everybody else is kicking out VR experiences, which is aren't really the game. It's just look, we've got a VR thing that has these popular character titles in it that you can do stuff. Yay! Yeah, we'll probably have to hit on that a little. Bit. You know, it's like yeah, there was definitely a feel of you'd go into a game, a gaming universe now, and they're like, "Welcome to our game." Oh, here's your VR experience, and don't forget your grappling hook. Yeah, I mean, it's <laughs> it's it's been. Uh, Mike, any thoughts on Star Wars in general? I mean, in general, or I mean, they just didn't show a lot. No, they they didn't show a lot. And from what I've heard, at least two of the titles that are being worked on are referred to as like 3D action games. So it's like, well, what's going to be the difference? Is one of them going to be sort of Jedi based? Is one of them going to be more of a shooter type thing? I don't know. I was super disappointed. I I mean, the Star Wars that this was the section I was most looking forward to. EA was the Star Wars talk. And it opened up with a guy drawing and showed some little super short clips of stuff. And then they're like, okay, that was Star Wars. Yay. And it's it's like... Yeah, I it wasn't... I didn't go into EA with an expectation, so I wasn't, I wasn't most looking forward to Star Wars. But I did think they were going to need to do more than a sizzle reel. Yeah, the... Uh, it was just... It was like, for... For so many games being in simultaneous development, there wasn't anything that had more that you could give us. I mean, the most they talked about was the next Battlefront game. 
Yeah. I mean, and they didn't even talk about the upcoming you know DLC for Battlefront that's out now. No. Yeah. And there's been hardly any that's come out for us so far. There's supposed to be like another three or four packs coming out for it. I figured they would at least talk about that. But it no. was weird, weird, weird. Now here's one thing I wonder, and I'm not I'm not sure, but are they holding back for like celebration or something like that? Because Is there even going to be a celebration this year? I don't I don't remember. I thought it already occurred. I thought that they, they, they normally have one in September and one earlier in the year. I thought they were running because there's one there's I don't remember there's two big uh, ones every year. I thought. Because I remember last year's celebration was in like September because it was that big lead up to Force Awakens. So I don't know. That or they're just not comfortable dropping anything yet. Nothing's close enough to ready to drop. And, and that, that is, I mean, that's possible. Um, but anyway, it was disappointing. I, yeah. I, it was almost like, why'd you even bother to show Star Wars at all? I guess then they would have been asked, why didn't you even show Star Wars? But <laughs> they didn't, so I, I didn't get it. Uh, final game that was part of their presentation uh, Battlefield 1 and presentation I'm using really broadly because they did a presentation which was very just sort of trailer focused but then right after that they segued into an actual live 64 player multiplayer match with very awkward interviews it was really awkward interviews <laughs> yeah. uh, they, I think they were just kill, <laughs> killing time and they wanted to make it be like a, a red carpet Hollywood walk and then what yeah. do you think about tanks yeah. tanks <laughs> tanks Tanks. Yeah. I mean that. I tuned out. I tuned out of the interview. Who's gonna Who's gonna win? Uh, me? Because <laughs> I'm awesome. I mean, the, the the celebrity guest made no sense for the most part. <laughs> it was like It was like who's in town this yeah. weekend? <laughs> that, 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 it was. It, it, it was. Ter- I mean, the only the only decent part of all the celebrity guests was watching Snoop Dogg light up a joint while playing. <laughs> my, my favorite part was before the play when they did the uh, the intro trailers for the two teams and the Battlefield Friends uh, guy, <laughs> Neebs, his trailer was awesome. His team sucked, but his trailer was awesome. And so that was a lot of fun because if you haven't... Uh, oh, and any listeners, I do recommend uh, search out on YouTube for Battlefield Friends if you're at all familiar with the, with the game Battlefield, it is a lot of fun. Uh, but anyway, so some highlights that I noticed from Battlefield 1. Dynamic weather and actually meaningful. I mean, I've yeah. always been impressed when ever since Super NES and Zelda had the rain that would come. It was like, whoa, this is cool. But it didn't mean anything. This is like... You, you hate snipers? Just hope fog will eventually yeah. roll in. You know, fog is going to be the greatest thing ever. That's right. It's going to uh, bayonet charges. Bayonet Pretty charges. Cool. Were awesome. Pretty cool. And it was very neat to hear how they work. And once you commit, you can't immediately decommit. You have to keep. Running. I like because like in one of the clips, the he bayonet charged a guy, and then the guy like didn't even see him, but he jumped over a wall, and the guy just ran in the wall and stopped. So, <laughs> then he got shot. It was very <laughs> sad. <laughs> I mean, um, <laughs> Uh, destruction has always been a big part of Battlefield. Some games have pulled it off better than others. Uh, it seems, and we don't we don't fully know yet, but it seems they moved away from Battlefield 4's Levolution concept, where there was a big fixed structure that you had an option of dramatically changing the battlefield landscape, and instead have moved towards things like we have a giant zeppelin. It could come down anywhere on the battlefield, and it makes a difference where it lands because it leaves its, its steel skeletal frame. It destroys buildings. There's fire. Every, I mean, 
And so I thought that it was a really good use of destruction. I also thought it was a really cool use of the Zeppelin. The Zeppelin was awesome. Where in Battlefield 4... There are points where people would be fighting for control of the point, and that would give them like access to the AC-130 or whatever the big jet is. But it's the winners who always have that. It's the strong team that gets all the cool stuff. And this is obviously a chance to try. I called it when I saw it. I immediately said rubber banding for <laughs> racing games. But it's the rubber banding thing to try and give something to help out a team that's actually in trouble and trying to keep the games a little more competitive. Because even play other than an occasional good old time at vantage point. I don't like playing Battlefield and being totally dominant because it just causes the other team to quit. Uh, they don't get enough players. It's unbalanced. And then the new people come in and they're getting steamrolled and their own spawn points. And it's a, it, it sucks. So so I was good to, glad to see that. And all the main Battlefield staples are still there where it matters. So you still got squads. You still have different classes. You still have lots of weapons to choose from. I'm sure you know you're still going to do all the unlockables and all that stuff to encourage play. Uh, the only thing is, I still can't tell the single player is going to be any good. And <laughs> Battlefield does not have a great track record, as I have said before on this podcast. It does not have a great track record when it comes to single-player campaigns. I would like them to treat World War One with some reverence and some respect and not give it a terrible story campaign. I've heard some interesting ideas behind it. They have showed next to nothing other than it's got great visuals, but Battlefield has had great visuals for a long time. Um, I hated the weapons. I hated them. It's too... It, like. Too, too modern. I mean, yeah. When, when, when everybody was carrying weapons that were like, well, these were prototypes and a few small units mm-hmm. had them in 1918 in the last closing months of the war, <laughs> and both teams have, all, they all right. carry that. And everyone's running around with machine guns, even though practically all the soldiers were using bolt-action right. rifles. The, right. the only bolt-actions yeah. you saw in the entire thing was a sniper rifle. Yeah. Everything and everything else, even though the primary weapons that everybody had were... Bolt actions. Yeah. You never saw anybody, anybody with them unless they were carrying a sniper rifle. Otherwise, everybody had submachine guns and machine guns and LMGs. Right. And, right. and and I, I briefly wondered if they were going to actually commit to saying, okay, well, these were the common weapons, and that's, so that's what you need to use. And I'm not surprised that they did that. They I'm not surprised they didn't. Saying no automatic weapons because only a handful of people had them would just not have... I mean, it was just It was my original concern from when the trailer dropped originally. Was that okay? They're going to be everybody's going to have submachine guns and all these things that either didn't exist or were prototypes or or barely deployed. And yep, that's what it ended up being. Yeah. Well, unfortunately, I think if you limit everyone to just bolt action stuff, you risk alienating the people who are used to the more modern battlefields. Yeah, that's why I think they felt they would have to yeah. continue with you know. There's just some people that say, "I want to play assault. I want to have a machine gun." And if you say, well, you know, most of the machine guns were nests. You didn't get yep. to run around with a, you know, you didn't have in 16s. Uh, that, that's why they went with, a, you know, the more prototype style, old-timey looking guns. Uh, and so I'm not surprised. It, I would have given them points for actually committing all the way. But oh, I, it makes I, sense. I, I think this is better for their sales. This will be better for their player base. I just don't like it from a philosophical standpoint. So anyway, that was the EA presentation. Uh, I thought the Battlefield 1 stuff was the most interesting of everything they provided, but of course, that's easy to say when you had an extra hour worth of multiplayer to watch. Yeah. I I enjoyed watching the stuff for Battlefield 1. I mean, when they first announced it, I was like, 
well, is this going to be as fun? Because we're not going to have all the modern gadgets and stuff like that. But watching it, no. I mean, it, there was a lot of fun. You had all the little, like, machine gun nests you could get into. Airplanes look like they might actually be useful. Because the big problem with Battlefield 4 is you get in a jet and you fight other jets. You might occasionally try and strafe the ground, but you're not going to be doing much of anything because you're moving so fast. But now since we've got, you know, these old-time airplanes, yeah, biplanes. biplanes and stuff, old you time. might actually be able to be useful with mm-hmm. them. Yep. And they still got all the little fun old-timey tanks, and I mean, there was one that looked like you could get like five or six people into it. Yeah, you can get all, all the heavy tanks can take a whole lot of people. And there's medium tanks that can take three, and there's light tanks that, that's just one guy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And they didn't, so. they didn't showcase it, but they did note there will still be uh, ships. Like, um, there's always been a naval component to the more recent yeah. battlefields. Uh, so, yeah. I, uh, I'm looking forward to it. And on a gen- general conference thoughts, one thing that I noticed here at EA as the start, and is I, I noticed repeated by every single conference, is at some point somebody needs to realize that panning shots of crowd who looks like they're about to fall asleep <laughs> does not help your conference at all. When you when it when it's a panning shot and it's forty people staring at their phones. No one looking at the screens, no one looking at the stage, no one cheering, no one yelling. That doesn't help your stuff. That that, that doesn't help it at no, all. It, it doesn't. And I'm sympathetic to a cameraman who feels they need to do something and wants to do panning shots. And I'm okay, I'm okay with that. <laughs> Except please don't do the panning shots when you're showing the game trailers. Oh, yeah. Microsoft. Microsoft I'm, was and you know, oh. I mean, we're not we're not to them yet, but it was really bad in the Microsoft conference. Sony's conference wasn't doing that. No. Uh, no one should have. No one should have done it. But we're actually not yet ready for Microsoft. We're <laughs> going to hit Bethesda next because Bethesda was actually next in the chronology. So moving into Bethesda, first game they uh, brought up was Quake Champions. So Quake Champions, uh, PC only. I guess it's a MOBA style. It seems to actually, unlike the original cl- uh, Quake, it's got different classes. It sounds like it's more of a hero shooter, more Overwatchy than MOBA y. Mm. Is Overwatch clone? Well, that was inevitable. From some of the stuff, I mean, I don't, I don't, I don't know. I don't know if it's going to be as team based, but it just from what I've heard from other sources is it sounds a bit more. Uh, they were all calling it a hero shooter okay. instead of being an actual MOBA. It's not like trying to do like what Battleborn it, it did or, or Paragon did, which are more first person MOBA type stuff. But um, yeah. I didn't think uh, the announcement of a Quake was surprising, given the success of Doom. And what, I expected and what, it. What we've seen Bethesda do uh, in regards to some of these old titles. I, I was surprised that it's not like the original Quake in that you know doing the Overwatch approach. Yeah, I, I mean, actually, looking at my all. notes in my notes, I I have it says Quake Watch. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, I mean, I, probably since this is uh, set to be PC only, they really, really stressed for uh, tournament play. And the original Quake is still played in tournaments. I watched a tournament less than a year ago on Twitch that was doing original Quake. Uh, it's so, still a popular multiplayer yeah, thing. Yeah, it's one of those multiplayers where, because you as the characters, they're all equal. It's not like Battlefield where you're doing the classes and all that and you level up equipment. Uh, it's just that sort of pure vanilla sort of multiplayer. And this is not going that route because you have these different... You have the Overwatch competition. Yeah, that's a good analogy. But uh, so it, what they showed looked neat. Uh, it's not really on my radar, though. No. All right, uh, let's go ahead and go over to the next game, which was Elder Scrolls Legends. Woo! 
I like your enthusiasm. It was much higher than it, mine. It, it, yeah. it was very obvious that the presenter's mom was in the crowd. <laughs> oh, no. I actually read a comment, I think it was on Kotaku, of someone who said he sat in front of that woman, and she was just really, really hyped about anything Elder Scrolls. I mean, (laughs) like the people that were sitting there, she was, I guess, like, probably like 18, maybe younger, he said, and just the people that she was with, they were all super excited about anything Elder Scrolls. They'd mention anything about it, and they'd be like, yeah. It's like, okay, calm down, people. Wow. Well, I'm glad we got the mystery of the of the mom slash yeah. child crying out in, in Glee. My cry out was another strategy card game, which incidentally, when you're grabbing your VR equipment and your grappling hook, you're also going to be getting a deck of strategy cards because, oh my, did everyone have strategy cards. All right. Uh, they got to build off Hearthstone. I guess. Hearthstone did yeah, such I a guess. good job. You got to do it. You got to. So, I mean, I'm not familiar with a whole ton of strategy card games. I'll say that the dual column thing they have going on this one did seem unique compared to what else I've played, but I still don't want it. Nope. I don't don't care. (laughs) Mike, are you going to buy it? I'm not really into card games, no. Okay. All right, so so much for Elder Scrolls Legends. Now, something that we have all played, Fallout 4. They mentioned some new upcoming DLC I know Mike has been working on Fallout 4 DLC. I've not started any. I've Fallout not started 4 the DLC, DLC, but I've got it. I got the season pass back before they increased the cost. Far of Harbor pass. is excellent. I've heard that, but I just haven't started it yet because I've got caught up in this little thing called Overwatch. So, given the, given what we've all mentioned so far about about all this, uh, they did feature uh, mods um, because the mods are coming to console. Mods are out. They're for, out on for Xbox, and they should be out on PlayStation. I think within the next six weeks. Uh, so they showed off a lot of the, you know, the cool ones, though incidentally for people, just turn off the, uh, I guess, achievements and trophies are disabled if you have enabled the use of mods, so be aware of that for those of you who'd like to gather those up. Otherwise, you can shut up Preston finally, which is the dream of every console gamer. <laughs> um, the only real thing on the DLC thing that I noted was, Nuka-Cola World is weird. <laughs> yeah. I hope that it's crazy silly, like... The uh, Fallout 3 DLC, have you ever played the one where you go and they're all the robots and you're helping the little robots? Uh, it was yeah. just really, really zany. <laughs> that was my favorite DLC because it was so ridiculous. See, I, uh, I, I, in 3, I, I liked uh, Mothership Zeta yeah. because it was all the aliens. Yeah, that and one you, was good. Too. And you'd go to the one room and you'd press a button and you'd just watch a laser shoot out and explode part of Texas <laughs> and you'd just keep doing it. Maybe that was just me. That was probably just me. I was kind of Texas. The, uh, the, I noticed... Like it seems they put out a bunch of DLC that deals with your whole settlement building, which is useless to me because I haven't done any settlement building except for my one, I, I the one uh, the Red Rocket settlement which I created is my giant automated base where my companions stay. <laughs> but otherwise, I haven't done like any settlement building. Well, yeah. I, I I spent quite a bit building up sanctuary. To the point where I don't think I can add anything into the game because it won't let me anymore. <laughs> but uh, I mean, I've had fun with some aspects of it. Um, some of the new stuff they looks like they're putting in, like elevators and little conveyor belts and stuff. I'm sure people will build all sorts of weird Rube Goldberg type machines with them yeah. and stuff. Now, and I did like the DLC where you get to build your own vault. That can be fun, too. Where it looks like it's basically... You know what? People kind of like Fallout Shelter a little bit. Some people play it occasionally. <laughs> so let's go ahead and make Fallout Shelter that you can play in Fallout 4. And I, depending on how it goes, it could be a lot of fun or it could be terrible. 
Yeah, it didn't. I think it's probably a good idea to put in. I did try Fallout Shelter. It didn't resonate. Yeah, no, it wasn't good. Um, but well, I didn't enjoy it. And I, and I saw they are also doing some updates on Fallout Shelter as well for anyone interested uh, in terms of, I guess they, I think it's, it may already be out where they just expanded it to try and make it more interesting. But um, yeah, no, it's, I didn't really get in the construction side of it. I built up Sanctuary a little bit, teeny, teeny bit. I did the Red Rocket place for uh, my uh, achievement to get perfect happiness. So I used that location separate. But I kept my companions at Sanctuary. But Anyway, so there's a lot of Fallout uh, 4 DLC. As, as we knew, the game was going to be well-supported, and it's, it's done gangbusters for Bethesda. So this is just them reaffirming that they have not forgotten about you. Speaking about not being forgotten, the next game was Skyrim Remastered. Which for me gets a big resounding meh. Hmm. I do not like remasterings of games that are new, and Skyrim is not an old game. I, when I saw the footage, I got a little excited because at first I thought, "Oh my, they actually remastered Oblivion." Oh, see, that's what I would have thought if they remastered Oblivion. But Skyrim, I don't like it, and I play on PC, so there's nothing that their remastered version no, of Skyrim can no. do as a PC like, player that I, I can't I mean, do with mods. It looked, it looked great. Don't get me wrong. If you haven't played Skyrim, go ahead and play Skyrim Remastered. Skyrim's a fun game if you like WRPGs in the fantasy setting, but it's not that old. Oblivion was last console as well, but it was early in last console. I, I mean, it's coming up on must be around a decade old. That one would have made sense to me. Yeah. And anything older would definitely make sense, but I don't like remastering. I think it's a it's a cash in of the, of the worst kind when they're new. That's why I, I have the same skepticism for Resident Evils that somehow have to be remastered and put out on every console over and over instead of making a new good one, sort of thing. But that's not Bethesda's fault. That's <laughs> that's Capcom. So pray now that that was the next game. I didn't know what we were looking at when they started showing the footage. Other than the alien theme, it doesn't seem anything like the original play. Prey. Did either of you play Prey? Nope. I okay. saw, I've seen videos of it, but I, okay. I never actually okay. played it. I, I did play Prey, and just as a summary, the original Prey is you are a Native American man. You're about to leave. Uh, you don't want to live on the reservation anymore. And aliens come and abduct your reservation, including you, up into their ship. The game had some interesting ideas, including like the ability to walk on the ceilings and stuff in the ship. It had some kind of interesting ideas they want to do with physics. I'm using the word interesting a lot because the game stunk. It just, it, it's, not, it's just not a good... It's an FPS, but it's just not good. There's really nothing good about it other than you could say, well, it could have had potential. It was... When was the last game you can think of that actually had a Native American protagonist? So that was sort of unique. But otherwise, it's just... It's so generic. I knew... I had heard that Bethesda had the Prey IP. It's just... I don't know why you'd ever want it. Why, why call it Prey at all? I, I think I they know. liked the name and they liked the general concept of somebody being hunted. And, and I could see that. It's just... I don't even know why they paid for it. But... Because from the sounds of it, that's... Basically, they took that gen- someone being hunted. And they're like, you know, Prey's a really good name for a game about somebody being hunted. Let's it do is. that. It is, but I, I just, I maybe originally, they, and I, there's a bit of a story I believe behind the attempts to make a sequel, and so I think maybe this is just sort of salvaging what they acquired because 
there, there was supposed to be a, another Prey, I think, before the current generation of consoles, even. So it's just... Uh, it looked This looked interesting, but we didn't see any gameplay. Without seeing that, I don't know how true that will be. But uh, what I saw got me at least curious, so kudos, kudos on that. <laughs> uh, game that another game, which uh, was uh, based off of an original game, which is Doom, which Doom's been out for a while. I've heard great things, but I've not played it. I've played the opening since because they released the first level for free as a demo. Oh, yeah, that's right. Um, it's good. I mean, it, it, it definitely has kind of an old Doom feel, and it's a lot of fun. I haven't picked the game up and played it. i got too much other stuff going on right now, Overwatch. But it is a... Uh, it was an enjoyable bit of demo that I actually played through a couple of times. Mm-hmm. Well, they just noted that there are some DLC packs coming up for it, and I just was going to throw that in as a notation for people who have Doom. There is, uh, there's more experience coming for those of you who have it. And by experience, you mean multiplayer DLC packs, which from everything I hear is terrible. The multiplayer <laughs> yeah. is not supposed to be enjoyable where, where, the, where the single player campaign, everyone I, I've talked to, says the single-player campaign is amazing and it's great and the multiplayer is crap. But it's worth getting for the single-player. Right, right. Uh, and the, the single-player is... I mean, that's why I would be interested in it. That's sort of what... I think a lot of people think about Wolfenstein The New Order, which only had single-player and is a really good single-player campaign. And so, you know, I guess... But if you're curious about Doom multiplayer, yeah, there it is for you. Uh, okay, next thing they featured was Elder Scrolls Online Dark Brotherhood. Probably visited another room. <laughs> yeah, there we Bear go. Bear Riders. That's the only thing I saw that I cared about. <laughs> bear Riders. Uh, just the concept of Bear Riders is awesome to me. I want to see a cavalry charge on bears. Who doesn't? <laughs> um, it sounds like the game has finally found its footing. They really were stressing how it was like MMO of the year and all that. I knew that it had a really rocky start uh, when it when it launched because I was hearing people just sort of casually referencing and like Elder Scrolls Online isn't that getting canceled <laughs> sort of thing. Uh, which, oh, I don't know. I don't know anyone who plays it. So. One thing they when they said MMO of the year and it's just one of those things I always want to figure out is I want to who who chooses if you, that if you say that. Oh, it was rated blank of the year by what? I mean, I want to know who. Because if Elder Scrolls Online was rated MMO of the year by the Elder Scrolls Online fan club, (laughs) that's a lot different than if it was rated that way by, you know, some other slightly more authoritative group. Uh, The only thing I noted was they mentioned their, their expansion, Dark Brotherhood. The only thing I could think of is, I think I joined the Dark Brotherhood back when I played Oblivion in that single player game. And it was a fun uh, faction or clan to, to 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 play with. So, hey, maybe it'll be entertaining in the online version. I don't know. I still, on occasion, find myself having to log into Neverwinter to continue to sustain that character. I don't want any more MMOs. I'm not interested in getting into any more MMOs. So this is not on my radar, no matter how many obscure Game of the Years it wins. <laughs> the next segment was uh, Bethesda's VR stuff. Are you telling me a conference talked about VR this year? Ah, <laughs> oh, I know. See, it is amazing. So. The future must be now. I will say that for Bethesda, I thought that it was clever that they seem to be trying to carve out their initial niche in VR on FPS, which makes sense to me. But we'll see how they handle that whole sold. motion sickness exactly. vomiting problem. I'm yeah. very much not sold on it as a gimmick. Uh, I think it's just the latest fad, just like you know, five years ago, it was. Uh, the move and the connect and the motion control stuff. 
And yeah, someone who can't read while in a being in a moving vehicle without having taken Dramamine, I'm not excited about VR. Well, see, and here's the thing: I think VR is. I don't think VR is going anywhere. I think VR is the future. I think that what we're seeing VR now is exactly what it is. It is the very earliest steps. These are the Model A's. These are the 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 tiniest of tinies. Uh, five or ten years from now, a lot of these problems will be ironed out. Things will be better. For now, it's everybody's just getting their toes wet, and I just don't think the hardware's quite... It's not there yet. Yeah. I but will it, say one thing about them, though. At least their VR thing wasn't... Here's this little VR experience you can have that's quasi-related to this one game. That was, you can play Fallout 4 in VR. Yeah, the that whole game. is very yeah. cool. Yeah. yeah, that is no, that is. Yeah, kudos to them on that because uh, that's that's ambitious. And, it is, and people won't feel like they're getting some sort of you know oh spinoff. Yeah, it's a real game. We already know it's a real game, a good game. So. The final game that Bethesda hit on was Dishonored 2. <coughs> Uh, not at all surprised. This has been known to be in the works for quite a while. Uh, it seemed to be, other than the occasional woohoo Elder Scrollsian <laughs> lady, uh, seemed to be the highlight of the show to most of the people in attendance. Uh, game looked good. I did not like the character. I uh, let me actually. I should probably start off with: Have either of you played Dishonored One? Nope. Well, okay, I have. <laughs> it's a stealth game. Uh, in a lot of ways, it reminds me of Hitman, and that's the thing. I like Hitman. I didn't love Dishonored. I I respected that you could go about solving the mission in a variety of ways, but Hitman's been doing that for a while. You go around with powers. Dishonored Two introduced a whole lot of new powers. So many that I'm I'm looking at it and I'm like, and this was the case in the first game too. It's like, is the character overpowered? In fact, <laughs> I heard an interview at the beginning of Dishonored Two. You are offered powers. You can turn them down. Mm-hmm. The game can be played with no powers. Yes. Hmm. Right. And the fact that that's an option, I think, says everything you need to know about how OP those powers are. <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. I can chain six guys together, so whatever happens to one of them happens to all of them. And that then was, jam and knife that was ridiculous. That power is ridiculous. <laughs> I can turn into a shadow creature and literally tear uh, somebody limb from I mean, limb. It was cool to see, but I was just sitting there thinking, gosh, why? You know, back in the day, you didn't have to code that in. You just at the start let the person check the casual box. <laughs> and then. And, and then you could just run up and knife them all to their face, and they couldn't hurt you. I, I just I, so anyway. Um, I thought graphically, obviously, it's the new generation. It looked better. I thought the character designs were better. It still got its unique style without looking off to me. The, the original design just kind of looked off to me. Not Brink off, which looked terrible, but just it just bugged me kind of aesthetically. I thought it looked really cool. And what really grabbed me was the time travel section. Mm-hmm. Was awesome looking. Having the little flower petal thing. Yeah, and that was yeah. new for Dishonored 2. That, that looked awesome. I think that interested me more than anything else in the game. I thought that section just looks cool. And I'm wondering, will it happen a lot, or is, it, is that just the one section? where The way it sounded to me, I think it's I think it's just that mansion, that it's that one okay. section. And she's got a magic grappling hook. She does. <laughs> she does. But you can also play as her dad again. Or, or yeah. you want, but they didn't show any of his powers, so I don't know. I assume maybe they're the same as the original. <laughs> Lots of rats. 
But anyway, uh, Steampunk Hitman. So if you want it, Dishonored 2. Okay, well, let's go ahead now and transition over to the Microsoft conference, which we've hit upon loosely, briefly, several times throughout this podcast already. But now, sequentially, we're ready for it. So let us begin. First thing <laughs> was the announcement of hardware. The Xbox One S, 40% smaller, HDR gaming, a 2 terabyte hard drive, as an option, they also have a half terabyte still as a cheaper option, and the power supply is actually integrated into the unit itself. Any thoughts? Did they ever explain exactly what HDR gaming is? They did not in the conference. I have since heard that there are certain TVs that support this HDR, and I don't remember, unfortunately, what the acronym means, but what it does is it allows you to have better color range. So the blacks actually look blacker than they currently were. It's sort of more of a dark gray. Dark gray. Yeah. So no, that's, all the browns look browner because there's brown everywhere. Oh, Gears of War, I love that. <laughs> <laughs> Got to brown that up. So, so anyway, so yes, yeah, so there are certain TVs, uh, and I don't know what, like, what percentage of the TV market does HDR, but uh, so it gives you better, a better color spectrum is my understanding. Well, that makes sense. Um, and the Xbox One S, I believe, will do 4K video. So it's a 4K Blu-ray player. It won't do true true 4K for gaming, but it would be for uh, video files who, I guess that's the big thing now with Blu-ray is to actually have that in 4K and people, uh, that's not so common because of bandwidth reasons for streaming so much. So a lot, of, But a lot of people who buy the, their movies on disc still that really want high quality this would actually, my understanding is, currently be the, when it comes out, the cheapest 4K player on the market for Blu-ray discs. Hmm, so, that's not, if, you got the, if you got the half terabytes. And so. that the 40% smaller, I mean, that really brings the footprint down it a does. lot. I mean, I was shocked. And it's got an integrated power block. That brick was huge. That, yeah. yeah. That brick I have hidden behind my TV. That thing is loud and huge. I mean, the whole thing's still less loud than the 360 ever was. But Well, yeah. That, yeah, that, that, thing, that was like having a jet engine or a yeah, vacuum cleaner that, running. Xbox here. One is big and ugly. That's not... We ain't kidding anyone. <laughs> I, but anyway, so uh, it looks nice, but... And, I mean, I'm not going to replace my existing unit. But anyone who wants to get in... Uh, with one that has the current capabilities, uh, by and large. You do need an adapter for the Connect, though. I did read. They don't have the old Connect port, which tells you exactly what they've decided to do with Connect. Um, so, anyway. Which, so that, that's, admit, that's an amazing flip, considering when the one released, it was all about the Connect, mm-hmm. and the Connect was everything, and the Connect was the future, and the Connect was always on. Now they're like, the, the what now? Yeah. A uh, Connect? I've, I've never heard of that. I don't know what yeah, you're talking they, about. They, uh... You know, Microsoft, I think, and this is all old news to, to anyone who's followed the, the console wars, quote, unquote, but Microsoft completely bungled the messaging and the initial plans for their Xbox One. The, they recovered before, the, before they came out, by and large, but a lot of people didn't forgive it. Uh, and, but now that Phil Spencer is back leading the <laughs> Xbox division, he takes, it, he takes gamers very seriously and he's doing all the right things. It's just they sacrificed so much of the market to Sony from the get-go, what with the unit being $500 more because they insisted you had to have the Connect, it being slightly less powerful for that price point. I mean, it just, no, it's just, uh, it's going to be, I mean, whether or not they can, rec- I mean, it's, it's weird to say recover because they're beating every milestone they had on the 360. It's not like the Xbox One is doing bad for Microsoft. It's just... 
is Sony is be doing so well, it's almost like the PS2 days. Yeah. Uh, uh, so it seems because they're just doing gangbusters on that. Second yeah. time I've used that word during this podcast. Gangbusters. That's right. It's like an old 40s, it's an old 40s serial. Gangbusters. Uh, next thing that they announced was Xbox Play Anywhere. Which is buy a game for the Xbox One, you get to play play it on Windows PCs, no additional cost, the saves cross share, and also that cross play for all those titles is fully supported so that PC gamers and Xbox gamers can play together. Gears of War 4 will be the first title to come out under the Xbox Play Anywhere banner. What do you guys think? Well, I did read that there's kind of a bit of a catch to that to where if you buy it on the One, it has to be the digital version. Hmm. I, okay. they, they, as far as I know, they have not said anything about what will happen if you buy a disc version. Okay, so we don't know if the disc will not be play anywhere, if they'll include a code to yeah, give you I a digital version as well. Or well, or is the disc going to be like there for a while, the way PC gamers went? You went and bought the disc, you put the disc in your computer, and all the disc did was log you into Steam and, and download a thing from Steam. It was basically hmm. just a disc that said had a code. I didn't know about that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. Uh, broadly, I think this is awesome. I know I have heard from people who have mentioned, and I'm not surprised, that there are some Xbox gamers who are angry about this because they think of it, yeah, they're shedding tears because they think that this is, and, and I try, I guess I can kind of understand it. I think the concern is that with them doing this, Microsoft is either admitting defeat and or that this is the death of the Xbox because there's no longer any true exclusives to the console. People could just play it on PC. I think, personally, that this is a good thing. I think it's a great thing. I think that people like consoles because they plug into living rooms and that's where you play them. If I wanted to play games on PC all the time, I would play games on PC all the time. And I can if I want to. And I'll, you know, I just have both. It's not a big deal in that regard, but... Some people are mostly only going to play on PC. Some people are mostly only going to play on a console. And if you can actually let those gamers play together, I think it just makes things yeah. better for everyone. And I don't see it as a blow to the Xbox. I mean, they're, because they're just... I don't want to hook a PC up to my TV in the living room. I like consoles in the living room. It just... I think it's... It makes sense. Easy. Well, see, and I play at a computer desk. Mm-hmm. I sit at my computer desk... If I'm not playing a game, I still spend most of my time at my computer desk. I don't sit and watch TV in the living room uh, or this or that. I mean, I do on occasion, but I spend most of my time at my computer desk working on stuff, writing, you know, playing games, watching Netflix. I I do all that stuff at a computer. I have, and that's what I've been for as long as I can remember. I've always been more centered around the computer than around the TV. So for me, sitting and being able to play these games, and especially play... With my friends who are playing on, you know, Xbox and stuff, being able to actually play games with them without having to get an Xbox, I like it. I mean, this is something that w- would actually make me reactivate my live account that's been dead for years. And if they do it like how they did uh, games for Windows Live back in the day, they dropped the need even for gold subscriptions, then you'd be able just to sign in. Oh, and see, that'd yeah. be even better. Yeah, they dropped that. At least with that with that architecture, they dropped it because they're like, oh, yeah, they. I mean, it was you know, it was a mistake Microsoft made. They didn't realize that PC gamers won't pay for internet access to yeah. play games. It's not. It's just a different. It's just a different microcosm of, of the uh, industry. So no, I think this is good, but mostly because I would like to be able to play with PC gamers. And if Sony wants to stay by itself and not play with anyone else, that's fine. But I think this. 
This seems to fit very well with Microsoft's strategy, which is let's get our software content everywhere we can. We're the virus. Let's infect every device we can do. And this is a virus people want to get infected with. Yeah, so, and it, it's a great idea. And it helps that with the console architecture being more PC-like than mm-hmm. it was back in the day, and especially with Microsoft doing the Windows 10 uh, what do they call it? The UMD or not UMD, but the they have a special name for it. But where Windows 10 and the Microsoft and the Xbox stuff mixes together, uh, it uses the same general background architecture right. type. Uh, it works really well. And it's really easy for them to do, and I think I think it's a plus. I think it's a major major plus for them. Okay, so. After that, they went in and got into the first game of their presentation, which was, the, as noted, the first title to be an Xbox Play Anywhere game that's coming out, which is Gears of War 4. So, Mike, do you have any thoughts on Gears of War 4 from what you saw? It looks like Gears of War, which isn't a bad thing. That was, um, <laughs> I, I've, I've played all three of them. I, I never played Judgment. I heard it wasn't that great. It was different. It was different. But I, I've played the original trilogy of it, and I enjoyed them. I mean... They're fun. They're nothing... The The whole revolutionary aspect of the cover-based shooter isn't really there anymore, because now everybody right. does it. Uh, I'd still say they're probably the gold standard, yeah. though. Of, of, of the cover-based I've played, yeah. they tend to feel the best. Um, actually, when I saw that, my, when I jotted my little notes down for this uh, episode, I, for Gears of War 4, I wrote, War. War never changes. <laughs> because, no, that, it looks like a graphically impressive, shiny version of Gears of War 3. Today. Yeah. Maybe they've tweaked some of the controls a bit. It was sort of hard to tell on that. Now, I've only played the first Gears of War. I haven't played the others. But um, was the dialogue always so massively cheesy? Or did they just yes. embrace the camp no. fully for no. this one? No, it has always this been is, camp. It's always been that. <laughs> yes, it has always been full camp. Because like I said, I played the first one, but I played the first one almost... I think I played nothing but multiplayer and co-op on it. I don't think I ever played the... Oh, through the single player? Through the single player. Yeah, no, I had a. I played Gears of War 1 on PC. It was one of my first games for Windows Live I played, actually. It was before I owned an Xbox. Uh, then I played 2 and 3 and Judgment uh, on the Xbox, and I did all their stories. I never got into the multiplayer on Gears. I just. Uh, Horde mode I thought was really cool, but, but uh, not general multiplayer. And yeah, it had a big old ball of corn. <laughs> yeah, it had a big old ball. So, uh, so anyway, this is not a priority buy for me for solo play. Gears, I really liked Gears Three and co-op though, so it would be it would be a co-op tie. And hey, so maybe that'll be one that uh, you know, since it's going to be able to be played on PC as well, we'd actually be able to do and you know report back if we ever get it. So next thing they announced, uh, Killer Instinct. Killer Instinct's been out for a while now. <laughs> it was a launch title, but. Now General Rom, who was the chief bad guy in Gears of War One, <laughs> is a playable character. I <laughs> It's Rom though. You you must not you must not have played through. He didn't face General Rom. Look, he may just be another character to just another fighting game you don't play to you, Tony. But to me, I wanna know, will he make controllers be thrown? <laughs> I'm never gonna live that down. Yes. And I didn't throw the controller, I just kind of dropped it in frustration. Well, of course, it's not a Nintendo controller. You could throw that <laughs> on a steamroller and it'd be fine. An Xbox controller, you'd break it. Now, like, Rom's already out, so yes. has anyone tried it? He's out, he's currently, they like rotate a free character okay. that you can play. He's currently the free character that you can play. Mm-hmm. Right. So I went ahead and tried him. He sucks. Um... <laughs> 
That is part of just the fact that I don't like big characters. He is pretty. You don't like Zangief? But my biggest problem with him, as far as the way Killer Instinct works, you know, it's all very combo driven. And all your characters have specific moves that they can start their combos with. He has one combo opener, and that's it. Which is atypical for Chaos. Yes. And he does have ways to. You can do like a normal attack and then combo into that, but it still it feels very limiting. Okay. Well, and he just bad. he felt clunky to me. Well, he'll just have to stay terrifying in his original title, <laughs> Gears of War One. So, next game for Microsoft, uh, which got a lot of hype from a lot of people who are fans of this. Uh, not so much for me though. Is Forza Horizon Three. Which apparently was, I guess, one of the better kept secrets. Is maybe why there was such a reaction to it. Um, I've not played a Horizon, pure Horizon game. I have played the Fast and the Furious game that came out on the Forza Horizon 2 platform. It was, it was briefly free on Xbox. I did not get that. I played it at my brother-in-law's, though. And yes. claim it's not yours. Yeah, it's not. No, I kind. I I wish I could have gotten it for free because, as cheesy as it is, it was it was fun. It's I like the mechanics. It's more of an arcade style racer, but only arcade style in the sense that it's not Forza's realism. This is not burnout crazy or anything. It's just you know, I want another burnout. It's yeah. easier to. See, I don't like hyper realistic racing games. Right, and this is the, not. This is not. yeah, yeah, I, yeah. No, this is not from the looks of it. And I have to say, I was actually when they first started and they were showing people playing. They had the they had a guy playing, you know, in the gamer chair, and you know, people playing on Xbox and this and that. I was like, oh. Okay, that's kind of cool, whatever. But when they showed, you know, joining a race and being airdropped in to race with your buddies in the middle of a race, it's like, okay, that's kind of cool. Yeah. <laughs> I remember a phrase they explicitly said is they described it as laid back. Yeah. It's laid back. And that it does, and it has stunts, for example. You can do stunt jumps and stuff. So. Yeah, so I'm, I, like I said, I'm not a big racing gamer, but this one, it actually, it was a little interesting. It, it was, yeah. was kind of cool. I think what I'm going to do the is I'll... Uh, I'm going to keep an eye out for a sale, maybe for Forza Horizon 2, and then... It's been on sale a few times, but a decent, a big sale, and then maybe buy that and see if I like it, and then if so, I may lean towards this one, which is obviously more expansive in a lot of ways. Next game, ReCore. ReCore's been mentioned a few times for a while. This is the 33 I've heard it uh, brought up at. Maybe not. Maybe it was last year was the first. I think it was just last year was when they first started. I'm probably thinking of... Uh, the Last Guardian? No, Scalebound. Oh, Scalebound. Which we'll get to later. But um, So, ReCore. They showed less than I had hoped, though I was able to find some actual gameplay stuff later on outside of this press conference. Uh, but broadly, it's sort of a TPSS game-looking game. Uh, you have these robot types. What I've found actually reading up on uh, someone in press who was able to actually get some time on the game is you the game's non-linear, and you basically go to dungeons. There are various dungeons that you're going into to explore. Uh, it has extensive platforming, so there's like aerial dash, double jump, that si- sort of character control to it. Uh, it's not a twitch shooter. The combat is more in the hack and slash vein of doing timing and movement, so there's a lot of auto-aiming and such. Uh, color-coded elemental damage, so you'll be like, oh, I need to switch my fire because he's glowing red, and then I get double damage bonuses because I did that. It will have RPG mechanics. The main character's name is Jewel, and her robots all level. 
so you need to level them up and, and, and allocate that way. Uh, the game is going to be $40, not 60 and it will be one of the Play Anywhere titles, so it will be that cross-compatibility. So this one caught my eye last year when I saw it. Uh, it's been a lot of comparisons to Super Metroid, not surprising given who's making it. Um, I am interested in this. I think I wish I'd seen more, but I I think this may be uh, I'm still, I'm going to call it hack and slash. Maybe a hack and slash that's up my alley. Um, I play them on occasion, but not a whole lot. Uh, but this one, I just think is really interesting. From what I from what I've read, when you're in combat and such, the strategies when you're fighting the monsters is they'll become sort of like switching elements. They'll become weak at certain times to different robots, and you need to be constantly calling in the right one if you want to do appropriate damage and maximize your your combat against those characters. And so, anyway, it's one that's on my wish list. But I like the art. I thought the concept sounded interesting. I'm not real big on the whole platforming section of all of it because I'm not a big platform gamer. But I don't. It looks okay. I didn't. It's not something that's on my. You know what? I think I'm. It's it's on a. If I end up with it at some point, or there's a good sale list, I don't. I don't know. It just. I know a lot of people have been really excited for it, but it just didn't. It didn't really grab me. Okay, Mike. Any thoughts? Uh, I think it looks a little interesting. I need to see a little bit more of it first, but I mean. The fact that I know a lot of people that worked on Metroid Prime are working on this. And I loved Metroid Prime. And I should have said Metroid Prime, not Super Metroid when I was yeah. talking. But, uh, I mean, it looks interesting. It's a game I'll keep an eye on. Okay. Well, next game is a game that you won't be keeping your eye on, and one we've already mentioned already. But Final Fantasy XV got to have time on Microsoft's conference with what... Perhaps we won't agree, but I would hope we could all agree was the worst gameplay demo of E3, where the guy who didn't know how to play his own game constantly got hit by a giant arm over and over and over. Yeah. Um, that, 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 that bit did a very good job. If I had any interest in it, it would have probably died there. And if that didn't kill it... What we'll talk about later with the Final Fantasy 15 VR experience would have finished it off. <laughs> That's going to be fun to get to. But all right, so this was the for the in the E3 flow. This was the first time I actually got to see the active fighting system against an enemy, a large, well, a large enemy. I've got to see the already. active fighting system yes. as it, as it pertains to you getting your ass beat. You got to see That's what you got prompts. to see. Command prompts coming up, and then the guy failing to hit them. Yes, yes, yes. You have to see what happens when you fail every quick time event in effect. Yeah. Yes, and then somehow I think they had no fail mode turned on, because I swear at one point the entire party was wiped out, and they just only yeah. got back up. <laughs> so it didn't leave a good impression on anyone? No. No. Okay. No, it, didn't leave, it did not me either. Uh, next game they hit on was uh, Tom Clancy's The Division, which has already been out for a while. They just showed some footage for upcoming DLC. I found it forgettable. I actually had The Division on my wish list, and I pulled it after e th after watching E3. Yeah, it The Division, when it was originally announced back when it was looking to be a launch title for the consoles, looked awesome. Mm -hmm. And what it became turned into be not nearly as cool as what it sounded. And everybody I've talked to who, who, who plays it, uh, I've got like four or five friends who grabbed it and were talking about how great it was when they originally got it. And at this point, one of them plays it every once in a while, and that's it. None of them have any interest in it anymore. 
it's just it's dropped off hard. And I don't see where the DLC is going to add anything. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, in a lot of ways, it seems like it's arc, and in a way, even it's gameplay to an extent. Kind of reminds me of what happened with Destiny. And hey, maybe they can have a thing like Destiny saved itself with its DLC, from what I understand. But it brought it, it had the Taken King DLC. Yes, brought Destiny to be back really hard, and then they decided they were going to trip and stumble and fall through everything after that. Oh, interesting. So they they brought they brought a bunch of people back, and then they shed most of them okay. again. I so. did the demo for Destiny, and that convinced me not to get it. So yeah. <laughs> All right. Uh, next thing uh, was Battlefield One. We've already talked extensively about it. The only thing, uh, really, was that they plugged uh, that Xbox One with subscribers who to EA Access, which is not... EA Access isn't available on PlayStation, Sony didn't allow it. So if you are an Xbox One member and a gold member and you have EA Access, you get access to Battlefield One early. That was basically all the news that there was yeah. about it. Yeah. Um, they then transitioned over into some uh, updates uh, for the Xbox network itself, Xbox Live. So they're doing a variety of upgrades. Um, they're doing clubs, which is kind of a, where you can join interested people. It's not more almost like chat forums. I don't know. How, that's, it's kind of how that's I how can it see it functioning on a web. I don't know how well it'll work. Actually, like running it from the console. Of all those announcements, the only ones that really sounded interesting to me was the looking for group one. I thought that trying to find other players helpful, that right? would be helpful it's for all those things. A, it'd be nice to be able to put up a flag because there's certain games that I play that my friends don't play. Yeah, that I could use some help with on doing certain things. So yeah, that one would be the one that was most interesting to me. I thought Arena was sort of neat. And in terms of, I thought it, it sounds like it could be a good way to do tournaments. Yes, but the game selection seemed pretty limited. So, and how many games are you going to really tournament anyway? Probably not a lot. So, I mean, it's a, yeah. So again, it's a, I didn't think it'd be something I'd really use much, but I thought I, might, I could see it being more useful than clubs. It, it would be useful for like fighting games, right? The, that problem, was, the it, problem is though, all the good fighting games are going PS4 only. Yeah, that's unfortunate, but. Hey, maybe that'll change with this PC Xbox unified front sort of thing. I don't know. Capcom is just desperate for whoever will throw money at him. Yeah. So. Yeah. All right. Next was Minecraft, the friendly update. So, it's uh, basically <laughs> them taking the console version of Minecraft and making it being able to do everything the PC Minecraft has done. Yeah. I'd say the major announcement that I caught was that they apparently have a very, very broad plan to try and make Minecraft super-duper cross-platform. Very much so. And so I'm sure that'll be really exciting to my, Minecraft players. I don't play Minecraft. I don't care. I play it a little bit. My, my eldest daughter loves it, and she would play it a lot more if I let her. But, yeah, for the most part, eh. Uh, then they talked some about the Xbox Design Lab, which is for the colorful controllers. Uh, yeah, they look neat, but yeah. I, I don't see it being something I would use. But. If I was going to put that kind of money out, I'd add some extra money to it and get an Elite controller. Exactly. That yeah, because I think they were talking like 70 bucks for them. 70 or 75 yeah. Plus an extra 10 if you want your like name or gamer tag. Yeah. Or well, then why wouldn't you get your name you or gamer tag? You need your gamer tag on there if you're going to get a I custom mean, controller. Yeah. Let's have some, there's got to be some law around here. <laughs> Okay, so that was that part. Um, then they went into their indie game stuff, which ID at Xbox. Indie game things are getting huge everywhere. They are, yeah. um, and I, and I understand. You know, I understand the push on it because when the consoles were coming out, this was one of those things that was a you know a near stumble for Microsoft. Sony really stressed their 
openness for indie games. On the PS3, they were known to be more open than getting on Xbox uh, Live Arcade. And so ID at Xbox has been uh, that, that opening of the floodgates. But, you know, there's also been the issue of the floodgates are open and we are getting a lot of crap now yeah. that used to just be for Steam. <laughs> but, but anyway, uh, so they, they, you know, they, they blurred through a whole lot of little it, bit, itty bits of, of games. But let's see. There was, they focused on a game called Inside, which is made by the people who did Limbo. Um, no clues. The, all, the only, yeah, no clue. The only thing of note is Limbo is now free on Xbox One. So if you're, uh, if you're a gold member, go get your free Limbo game if you haven't played it on the 360 because it is a good game. They noted that there are currently over a thousand games in development that will be coming out on ID at Xbox. So yeah, that's quite a bit of volume. Um, let's see, Cuphead. I saw that in the in the that footage. Was in the yeah. Remains op, uh, remains awesome looking. Probably the most visually interesting yeah. one, but it's been that for a while. And <laughs> I don't want to see it at any more E3s. It's time for it to come <laughs> out and be done. Yeah. Um, I also thought that Everspace looked like it might be a decent space sim, but it was hard to tell with such short Yeah, yeah. It, it, it looked kind of cool from what little bit they showed. I also saw um, Bloodstained Ritual of the Night was in that, which is the guy that used to always make Castlevania. That's mm-hmm. his Kickstarter one. Basically, his Mighty O9, except for it doesn't look like it's going to crash like <laughs> Mighty O9 is. Poor Mighty. Um, I, I did see a little bit of footage of that off-camera that someone had put on YouTube later on, and it looks... Castlevania-ish, and very much in that whole once they went that Symphony of the Night vein, the Metroid route, basically. Mm-hmm. It looks a lot like that. That's not bad. So they noted that Ark Survival Evolved is going to be free on Windows 10 for anyone who already bought it on the Xbox One, so that's going over to PC. Um, now here's one that definitely caught my eye. We Happy Few. That looks creepy. Creepy as and, hell. Yeah, dude. That's exactly uh, what I have written down. That's exactly what I wrote. <laughs> uh, it was, I. It felt like, from what I saw, like it was a mix of the, that movie Equilibrium with a Fallout-esque world. So everyone's taking their happy drug to stay happy, and then, but in reality, things ain't so happy. Yeah, it, that is on my. To get less, I actually looked. It's no. it's in early access on Steam now, but it's the game I'm not going to touch in early access because I don't really right. do early access anymore. But it is it's all, I, I wish listed it. I mean, yeah. I literally wish listed yeah, it. No, I, on I went Steam to, but it's, it's going to be digital only on Xbox. So I didn't. Well, I haven't added it to like my Amazon wish list. I went to do it because this looks wonderfully mm-hmm. horrific. I am a I am a fan of of horror genre in video games. I buy a lot of them actually when I look at my collection. And so, yeah, this, well, I think they showed a glimpse of it at last year's E3. I had no knowledge on it. I had what no was knowledge on it either. Now, uh, this actually was the game that interested me and surprised me the most of the Microsoft stuff. Yeah, when I, the, the first time I've ever seen or heard anything about this game was that, was that little clip. And that clip left me sitting here going, that's awesome. <laughs> I mean, because that was, it was, yeah, it grabbed me. And the final part of this section that they did was... Let's play a game of Gwent. <laughs> oh, okay. For those that don't know, but you should because we already told you what, what you have. You have your VR headset, you got your grappling hook, and you got your deck of cards. This is your deck of cards from Microsoft. Yet another strategy card game. This one comes out of Witcher 3. I've been playing Witcher 3 ongoing right now. I actually had to play a game of Gwent last night in the game. I lost, like I always do, because it's Gwent. It's fine. I mean, it's not like a poorly designed card game or anything, but to me, every time I play these, I'm like, I'll just take magic. 
I'll take Magic the Gathering. Well, yep. I don't need all this. So I'm not going to describe Gwent to anyone. Play Witcher 3 if you want to know, because Witcher 3 is a good game. And then, you know, you'll be forced to play some Gwent, and then you can figure out whether or not you ever want to buy a game that's just it. But I was very unimpressed that they spent any time making that game, much less talking about it. Oh, okay. So that really ended the sort of ID at Xbox segment, as I had noted. Uh, and then they transitioned to, uh, I thought, a pretty impressive uh, video footage of Tekken 7. Now, here, important news, something people might not be used to, Tekken 7 is actually releasing with a full and complete story mode. Whoa. <laughs> Now, to be fair, it's only Street Fighter Five that has been criticized about that. Well, well it is almost the end of June, and yeah. where's that mode that was supposed to be here before June? Well, I had to wonder. Tail end of the month. With with the Tekken 7, the video footage was, I forget the, I call him Tekken Guy, the guy with the white Mishima head. Hachi. Mish- Mishima? Or not, yeah. Hey, Hachi Mishima. See? Okay. I was You're right. both right. You're both right. <laughs> Making me the winner. So... Mishima versus Akuma. And so initially I thought this was the Tekken Cross Street Fighter that we talked about years ago. But now I've decided that they were just like, they probably called up Capcom and were like, you guys are so slow. We'll go and put Akuma in our game so that you can... No, Capcom already put out their versus one. Yeah. It's Namco that hasn't done it yet. Right, yeah. right. No, I meant so slow on the Street Fighter Five updates that they're uh, going to go ahead yes. and stick Akuma. Well, Sorry, my joke didn't work very well. My, my understanding my is this is kind of helping them prototype Tekken Cross Street Fighter. Yeah. But now, I've, I, I've watched a couple interviews or talks given by people who got a chance to play the demo on the floor, and they say the story mode is good, and it's interesting because it does, it bounces between being cinematic and your standard fighting, and this and, and then back to cinematic yeah. and stuff. And they say it actually flows well and it feels good. And they also said that the uh, uh, you can tell when you play. Uh, it's not like you're just playing Tekken with a character with a Tekken character who looks like Akuma. He plays different. Yeah. He feels different. He has different moves, and he has stuff that the, the Tekken people don't have. Mm. And they say it's interesting. It's not like game-breaking, but it's interesting and it's different. Yeah, the story mode transitions with the cinematics to gameplay. They showed a little bit of that during the press conference. I thought it looked neat. Yeah. yeah, And, and, and looked smooth. Uh, so anyway, I, I thought it was fairly impressive for what they showed. Yeah, I, I'm surprised it's... Next year, though, before it's coming out, because it's been out in arcades in Japan for like a year now. Well, the this is a different build. Well, they're, yes, yeah, because they're releasing, they're re-releasing the arcades with this build, and they're they're having an their name is going to be Tekken Seven subtitle, some subtitle I don't remember I, now. I want to think it's Dark Resurrection or something like yeah. that, but I might be thinking one of the previous Tekken ones. I don't remember. Yeah, but, but it's basically a new game, but. The same game. Well, it's just it's an update to it's it, an, basically. Yeah. But I, I find it surprising because they're playing Tekken Seven at Evo this year. That is going to be so massively Japanese player dominated because no one in the U.S. has gotten really much of a chance to play it, except for like a few arcade locations that have actually imported the machine. Which I think there's a couple in California. There's probably a few in New York, but everyone else across the country has not really had a chance to play Tekken Seven yet. Yeah. So what you're saying is we need to start an arcade. And start importing Japanese fighting games to our pin bar. I would have no problem with that. Or option two, we talk about the crazy 
illogic structure that is the selection of games for Evo in a future podcast. Okay, well, that makes there's sense. A lot, I think there's a <laughs> lot of criticism that can be levied at Evo for hey, their, their game choice. There has to be a tournament for every single Smash Brothers ever released. <laughs> yeah. Except Brawl. They hate Brawl. Except yes. Brawl. Yeah. Brawl is for scrubs. <laughs> don't, don't, don't get confused. Okay, so uh, anyway, yeah, interesting Tekken 7. Oh, and uh, Xbox Gold people listening, uh, Tekken Tag Tournament 2 is now free for Gold members to download. So, Well, I think it was fr- it's free for like a week or something like well, that. Well, those of you who are listening on time like you should be, <laughs> go check and download it. And if not, sorry, you were too slow. All right, uh, next was some footage of Dead Rising 4. Again, not as surprising. Uh, looks to be as zany as Dead Rising 3 was. Your Frank West again, who was the original protagonist of the first Dead Rising, uh, has featured in in a couple other Dead Risings in some capacity as well. Looks like you're back at a mall. Also, you're back in the original town, from what I've heard. Okay, so weapons zany as ever. Vehicles. I saw. I did read that. Yeah, the, the vehicles. I wondered if they were going to do in a mall to cut down on the vehicles because I'd say the only criticism. I really like Dead Rising 3. A lot of people who were Dead Rising fans of the original did not like it. Because I'd say, my summary of Dead Rising, I've played, I've played them all. I went back and checked. I've actually played them all. They have gotten progressively crazier. But the first Dead Rising uh, designed, J- Japanese uh, developers did that one. Whereas, I mean, Capcom controls Dead Rising, but it's, the Canadians have been making it more recently. And that one, it was very brutal, very hard. Uh, it was still silly, but it wasn't until Dead Rising 2 that weapon crafting came into play. In Dead Rising 3, they made it even easier to go weapon crafting. But one of my criticisms of it is the, the vehicles were way overpowered. You practically always wanted to be in a vehicle just because that was the only way to... No matter what, it was the easiest way to kill lots of zombies is make your motorcycle steamroller combo and just go... Because it had flamethrowers, of course. Yeah, of course. And so, anyway, but I thought it was a lot of fun because they it was sort of like Saints Row, which... My, right, and that's my right. that's my thought on, on Dead Rising. Right. Dead Rising is very Saints Row. Right, and me. you go and you embrace the... Can- and, but, you know, different people have different limits. So, like, I know some people... I haven't played Saints Row 4... You're missing out. But some people, <laughs> some people think that Saints Row 4 went too far. Oh, I don't. Saints Row don't. 3 is the proper amount of camp. Saints Row 4 is stupid. Saints oh. Row 4 went very, very far. Oh, yeah. And it is great for us. It, yeah. Saints Row 4 embraced its insanity and is better for it. Okay. So we are hoping that Dead Rising 4 embraces the insanity and, and is better, better for it. <laughs> yeah. All right. Uh, next up was uh, Scalebound. The thirty-three I have now seen scalebound footage. Yeah, I think so. And hopefully the last. So before. this is, is is hipster beats by Dre Dragon game, right? Yes. yes. Oh, exactly. <laughs> you remember? Good. Made by Platinum Games. Yes. Made by Platinum Games. It's, they, they know action, and the action looks good. You yeah. just have to get around. The annoying douchebag of a protagonist. I didn't think the action looked good. Maybe it was the people they had playing. Well, I, I've seen a lot of other footage from the game. Okay, because that's all the footage I've seen in the game is that, and it was terrible. And it's like, oh, there's me and my friends, and my friends are going to sit on dragons and spit fire, and I'm going to sit here and I'm going to say stupid crap. It's like a lot, and a lot of these games have done this whole thing where they have just the most BS talk back and forth between the players like hey man you go do this and I'll go do that it's like nobody talks that way 
I mean, it's just, it's just. Oh no, this game made me want to vomit. <laughs> okay, I actually have this one on my wish list because I think that, and what I'm hoping is that it has what I will describe as epic co-op gameplay. It's reminding me of Lost Planet 2, which had a lot of flaws, but was a lot of fun in co-op. Yeah. It was stupid. It had a lot of epic major boss battles stuff going on, though, and it required good teamwork to to, to properly you know, score and take out those enemies in it. Well, see, uh, well laid out and good co-op and stuff like that could do it. I just think this was a bad demonstration. It, it wasn't the worst demonstration of the night <laughs> at all. No. I just thought it came off really bad. No, I don't disagree. The character looked terrible. The everything it was just it Listen, you need to just get over your bias against Beats headphones. <laughs> because that's that's what you're saying. Is you don't like people walking around with them headphones. Hey, you're, you're an earbuds man, I get it. I main Lucio I main Lucio in Overwatch. That's as beats by Dre as you can get. But that just oh, there was I'm sorry, when he put the headphones on, I, I don't know, did it change a mode or it did what? I, I don't know. He's but focused, it was just like going up to a pencil. Oh, I think it oh. changed the music. Yeah, yeah, it changed the music. It's wow. It's like it's skill bound. It's like Iron Eagle. He's got to turn <laughs> the music on so he can fly his jet fighter. But oh, I don't know. I don't know. Hey, the, the dawn begins to rise. Just so you got to accept it. I love that song. I know. That's why I brought it up to burn down your argument. Scale bound, controversial. <laughs> uh, next game, Rares, Sea of Thieves. We saw a little bit of it in 2015 E3. I guess I'd say it looked better this time than it did then. They did this weird thing, though, where they it, they kind of opened with, you're apparently this pirate. And I guess you do various things. They showed parts where like the pirate was swimming, the pirate was walking around, and then obviously you do things on the ship. But then the actual gameplay was apparently a bunch of people... Playing who had never played or saw the tutorial, but sure sounded like they were reading from a script for their dialogue. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But sounded uh, you know very uh, particular in their in their word choice, and were engaged in a naval battle, uh, which hey, I mean naval broadsides look cool. I'm, I'm thinking you know I bet there are a lot of people who like Sid Meier's Pirates who want this to be awesome. But I still don't really know what I, is going on yeah. with it, and it's not—it's not resonating with me. This game can either be really amazing, or it will crash and burn hard. <laughs> and the whole doing the shit, but you have to rely on other players is going to mess it up. Right in the trailer, they had a guy. I can't see where I'm going. Do I need to turn? <laughs> and everybody else was like, "I'm getting drunk." <laughs> 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 It's like, okay, this is just, I don't want to play a co-op game where I literally have to rely 100% on a bunch of, it is not a pubby game. It is not a game you would ever want to play with pubbies. But it's, uh, I don't know. Now, some of the stuff looked cool. The people trying to fix the holes where the ship had been holed under the waterline and was leaking, that was cool. <laughs> Me getting overly excited and making you pull the mic away? That is cool. I'm, not, I'm really watching the peaks on this audio read, and I'm like, you guys! You're this way. I need a pop filter, like, right here. <laughs> no, I don't think you're far enough away that the air ain't flying in. We'll, but, uh, but we'll find out. I think this game has potential. Potential. It's, it's just so... It has so much of a chance to crash and burn. So hard and be terrible. Yeah, it's sort of unfortunate because I, I wish that there was more buzz. Uh, you know, it's been a while since we've seen Rare do something that wasn't Connect, and 
I think a lot of people remember Rare from the heyday, and they want to see that again. But Rare isn't bringing back the old franchises. Well, and but the big problem is most of the people that worked at Rare back when Rare was big, back at you know, the end of the Super NES into the N64 days, they've all moved on to other studios. Exactly, I know. That's why, I mean, the pedigree... It's the same as saying, oh, well, I, I love Call of Duty when it's made by Infinity Ward. And it's like, well, the Infinity Ward, if you're thinking like Call of Duty 4, the Infinity Ward you know and love is Respawn now, yeah. doing Titanfall. It's, you know, it's just, that's just the name now. It's the same with Rare. But I still have some people think that, you know, well, it's an English studio. They have a certain pedigree. And they want to see it restored to that. I would like to see that, but I, you know, whether or not this does it, I agree with Tony. I think that this could be a disaster for them, um, but but it, it has the potential. I just I'm not seeing it yet, and so I I kind of wish that they would have waited until they had more to present before even coming out at an E3 and showing anything uh, to just maybe hook people better than than what they are, but. It is what it is. Uh, next game that they <clears throat> featured, excuse me, was uh, State of Decay 2. I never played the first one. This one looked pretty. Uh, I've played the first one. What'd you think of it? I, I enjoyed it. It had issues. It had big issues at launch that got fixed later on. And okay. with the, uh, uh, there was a DLC pack that put that fixed a bunch more. Uh, it's a good game. It, it's nothing super fancy. It didn't. It's not getting any best game of the year type stuff. Right. But it, it, it was enjoyable, um, and I think this one looks like it has the potential to be the same thing. It seems to, like a lot of the other stuff they pushed tonight, have a lot of co-op, and I think this is a game that would definitely uh, be good from co-op. It was one of those games where you don't fall in love with your character because you're going to die. Mm. And when you die, you literally just become another survivor from your group. Okay. And keep going. I think I've gone actually and, uh, and put the first one on my wish list to see about getting on the cheap. To try it out because genre wise and play style wise, this looks like my sort of game that I would enjoy sort of casually. But and this looks like more of the same to me. Number yeah. two looks like more of the same from what I could tell. Yep, that's what it looked to me. All right. Next uh, was Halo Wars Two. Hey, neither of you have played Halo Wars. I did. Or you? I played Halo, Halo Wars. Okay. I, I own Halo Wars. Uh. I, uh, I did not remember. On my 360. Okay. I, I think you got it for me for like birthday or Christmas. Oh, okay. Or something. I didn't remember. I mean, I, I've played it. Uh, I've played it. Okay. It's, so I guess we it's can okay. have it. It's an RTS on console. Yeah. As an RTS goes, I'd say it's it's fairly simplified. It, it needed to, to be. be for the yeah. console controls. And I thought it worked well with the console it controls. It did. Because it was built from the ground up with console in mind. Mm -hmm. So this will be one where it's on sale. I'll be interested. Yeah. But it's more of the same, as near as I could tell. Just prettier. Uh, it did. Beta launched immediately, so anyone who's really excited about Halo Wars can can scoop up the beta and, and give that a try. Uh, game's not actually supposed to come out until early 2017. Did note that it is a it is going to be a play it anywhere title, so people can. Uh, I mean, by and large, I think RTS works better on PC. This one obviously is designed for console, so I don't think it really matters when it comes to Halo Wars, but. And if you want to play RTS on PC and you want you want Halo, go ahead and, and grab it for that. I think the most interesting thing about this game to me is the trailer was amazing. The Halo people put out trailers that are really good. I mean, I'm not talking they're not like Blizzard level trailers, but the, a lot they put out trailers for games and they look because I remember uh, the 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 cinematic trailer for Fall of Reach hmm. was awesome and for Halo. Four, I think. Yeah, I think you're right. Well, well the, they were amazing. 
And this this one's this trailer was awesome. Well, uh, it was done by Blur Studios. Was it? Yes. So that well, that, that tells you right there. Yeah. <laughs> Blur does amazing cinematic trailers yeah. for video games. Because that trailer was just that trailer was awesome. I mean, I, I I didn't have any big interest in the game, but the trailer was just like, wow, that's that's a really awesome trailer. Okay, so finally, we're at the end of the Microsoft conference. Uh, last item was the announcement of what had already leaked, which was Project Scorpio. And I think that's the only reason this announcement happened. Uh, I, I thought so as well. I know others think that they were going to announce no matter what, but I think the leak, just because it's not, it's, it's a holiday 2017 release. Yep. It's still, I guess, Xbox One architecture, but unlike the S, which is mostly just some refinements, this is uh, the incremental upgrade that we've been hearing about, like the Sony's uh, PlayStation Neo project, which also leaked. Though, what hadn't leaked with Project Scorpio was the specs. We know the Neo specs, they leaked. But uh, this one, uh, spec-wise, is significant. I mean, it's, it's significantly more powerful than the Neo is. It's going to be true 4K gaming, uh, so you'll act, I mean, so not upscale, true. Uh, high fidelity VR will be supported, which the current uh, Sony PlayStation 4 can support their VR sets. Microsoft's Xbox One cannot support the Oculus, which the assumption is not confirmed yet, but the assumption is Microsoft and Oculus have been in talks for a long time. John Carmack was in this, in the Minecraft section. John Carmack was one of the people in the Minecraft section wearing, doing VR stuff. Hmm. And he's Oculus's god. You're right. Right. So yeah, no. I mean, there's no other indication that micro. There's no indications that Microsoft was developing in-house their own VR headset, and there've been. I've seen nothing saying they've been in talks with anyone else. They they want Oculus. It's smart of them. I I, I think doing going in-house would be an extra thing, especially when it's apparent they're pushing the software side so much harder than hardware now. Right. They Phil Spencer was the one who came out and spoke on this, and he stressed that. You know, all the accessories and games are going to work on the original Xbox One, the Xbox One S, and the Project Scorpio. Though, I mean, if a VR thing's coming out, how can that work on the S and the original one? That they, I mean, there must be some demarcation there. My thought is that the way they're setting it up is that everything will be backwards compatible, but not necessarily everything will be forwards compatible. Mm. So th- there will be things that require uh, the, the the Scorpios and all that. It will require the new stuff that you won't be able to play it on your one. Right, right. But the the reason why I agree with you, Tony, on the announcement is to me it doesn't make any sense to say start your presentation, say here's the Microsoft One S, and then say but you really should wait a year and buy the good machine, the yeah. really good machine. I mean, the One S is a better machine than the One Vanilla. I mean, it's, if you've got an HDR-compatible TV, at least, uh, or you want a two-terabyte hard drive, or you want you know something that isn't massive with a huge power brick. So it's got lots of reasons why anyone who is in the market for an Xbox now to want to buy it. But it just seems so weird to me to say, but just wait till the following Christmas, and then you can have... And here's what I think the big... Scorpio. Right. I think the big thing is going to be Scorpio's price point is going to be high. I Scorpio's price point is going to be really high. Yeah, um, I, I and I'm I, now. Do you have a guess as to how high? You know, six wouldn't surprise me. I don't think they'll go over five. I don't think they think. I don't think Microsoft thinks they can get away with going over five. The only thing that makes me think that they might be lower than that is with so many 
of the production company switching over to the new 14 nanometer chips and prices dropping out on so much of like the graphics cards as the you can because there's new graphics cards coming out using the 14 nanometer chips that you can get that make the old the titans and the this and that and all the the you know thousand dollar cards they're like twice as powerful and they're like 400 bucks mm. because of the new architecture the new chips allow it's the only thing i think that might keep the prices down yeah, I but but I mean, I'm I discussing. I'm saying just, from a marketing standpoint, but I, I from just, a marketing standpoint, I think you're right. I think that makes the most sense. I just think I don't see how they wouldn't be selling at losses. That's no, that's a, that's true. That's um, a point. So, but anyway, so you say six, I say five. You have any thoughts, Mike, on Scorpio or or the price point on Scorpio? No, not a clue. Okay, I think their hand was pushed. I think between the leak and the Neo. They had to drop something, hmm. and I think I think that's what happened. Yeah, because otherwise, I mean, especially given Sony didn't talk about we're not to their conference yet, but they didn't talk about the Neo at their conference. And given that the One S would have been plenty of hardware news for Microsoft, had there been no leaks whatsoever, because Sony wasn't going to say anything about hardware, no, other than VR. And the One S was the answer on the VR front. I think if here, look, people who want an affordable console. Here you go. You can get one for 300 Yep. But, okay. So that concluded the Microsoft segment, which means we can finally move on. And next up is Ubisoft. Is it Ubisoft or Ubisoft? I always forget. It is the Aisha Tyler Power Hour. That's what it is. <laughs> yes. It was like two hours. Well, yeah, that's it was. true. <laughs> it was. That one, it felt long. And I like Aisha. She's my favorite host. I see why they bring her back. Actually, yeah. I started and I, and I said, well, is she the one who did this last year? And then yeah. by the end, I'm like, I see why. Because she actually feels like a legitimate real gamer who's yeah. actually excited about this stuff. I, I, mean, I mean, she's got a podcast that I listen to. She's got, I like her a lot. She's in a lot of cool stuff. But All right. What's her podcast? It's like... Aisha something or another. Oh, okay, it's got I a have, name in it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Her okay. name's in it. Okay. I have to. It's literally, she only puts it out like once a month, mm-hmm. and it's literally her talking to other famous people about stuff. Oh, okay. Yeah, it's. Okay, so the first game on, on Ubisoft was Ghost Recon Wildlands. That's a lie. It was? The first game was Just Dance 2017. The opening <laughs> oh, segment was all the I furries dancing around. I was getting my drink around. when that was on. <laughs> I forgot about that. The opening segment was a bunch of furries <laughs> dancing on stage. I missed that whole thing because yep. I was like, oh. You didn't there, miss anything. It was just a show. I can't get a drink. A <laughs> whole bunch of furries dancing on stage. And in the corner, it said, Just Dance 2017. That was literally the entire thing. Wow. And then Aisha came out, and the furries left. And they had a moment of silence for the the pole shooting. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Well, Mike and Tony, since I guess you guys saw it, what were your thoughts on Just Dance 2017 Furry Edition? I I have no thoughts. Furries dance. Other than that, I did read they're having a Hatsune Miku song on this one. That's not a surprise. The po- her popularity is really shooting up. I've heard the the concerts around the country have been selling out or being darn near sold out. They've been doing pretty good. So, okay. Well, after the furries left, <laughs> then they went to the second game of the Ubisoft conference, which was drugs Ghost, are bad. Is it Ghost okay. Recon Wildlands? Is there? Yes. Is that, okay, <laughs> I'm checking because uh, who knows what I remember anymore. Uh, all right, um, I've played a lot of Ghost Recon games. Uh, this one is not really on my radar, though, but uh, it seems quite plot-driven, which isn't an impression I got from the past ones, so yeah. kudos on that. 
I've always just liked Rainbow Six more than Ghost Recon. Ghost Recon's been more of the open world team Tom Clancy thing, and Rainbow Six is the let's break into a building and kill terrorists right. sort of thing. Um, the action-adventure open world approach to this sounds fun, but as we noted earlier, everything's open world now, so I guess they felt they had to do that here. They didn't the, have a card game in it, though. That yeah. we saw. That we saw. We might be there. But, might not have been there yet. Oh, my. Talk about the, the gameplay demo and that the chatter. Oh, my God. Terrible. Air quotes. Chatter. That was that was They're, painful. My favorite <laughs> was, painful. was where one of the guys was like, I'm keeping it stealthy as he was gunning down guards. <laughs> I actually saw on YouTube. I did not save a link. I'm not putting in the show notes. I just I glimpsed at it and I was really tired. And it was a Ghost Recon Wildlands. And it was doing a demo footage from that conference and then my actual experience <laughs> and it was just like people crashing the bike into the fence and everything that always really happens not, not this elite uh, you know going and doing a multi-prong approach and getting the terrorists with the little mini chopper flying in no that's not how those games work no it there's is there's always just lots of cussing lots of just people trying to do their own thing there's always the one guy just wants to be a sniper Okay, so anyway, for people who want yet another uh, open-world action-adventure game, but with helicopters and, and potential for chatter. <laughs> and Tom Clancy's <laughs> and name Tom, on Tom it. Tom Clancy's <laughs> name on it. Uh, Ghost Recon Wildlands may be the game for you. Uh, next up was South Park, The Fractured Butt Hole. <laughs> I, tr- I tried to space that out. <laughs> Um, it's a sequel to uh, South Park's The Stick of Truth, which, which was I, great. I have not played it yet. Oh, it's awesome. Uh, it's it's going to be on the list now. Though. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. I really enjoyed it. I've played through it a couple of times now. And uh, whereas that one was sort of more, I guess, fantasy-oriented, this one is going with the whole superhero theme. Mm-hmm. Uh, combat is a turn-based grid system RPG approach. Yeah, it, it's a bit more positioning. It, it's, uh, it's different than the combat in Stick of Truth. Stick of Truth was more... Uh, old school RPG type, where like like the old Final Fantasy type, where I'm in a line, we're in a line, they're in a line, we choose our targets, and yeah, and this one seems to have a lot more classes because Stick of Truth only had like three classes, three or four classes. This one looks like it has like seven or more. Okay. So, so yeah, no, I actually thought it was a really good presentation. Actually, Stick of Truth is free for anyone who gets uh, Fractured Butthole, so uh, I, I may just wait and get that and then get both with it but anyway yeah it caught, it caught my eye because stick of truth i'd heard good things about never noticed a big sale on it though and so it's always just i got it on a steam sale uh, when it was like real cheap. the last south park game i played was uh was a tower defense game which it was all right it was it was an enjoyable tower defense game but last south park game i played was south park 64 <sighs> man that game was bad <laughs> and that's probably why you've not played any since <laughs> Okay, so after South Park, because they needed to use that to break things up, because then it was time to talk about more Tom Clancy, uh, the expansions for The Division. Um, I don't have anything else to say. We hit on The Division earlier. Yeah, this didn't change anything. Okay. Uh, Mike, no? No. Okay. All right, so next up was a VR game for the Oculus. Uh, Well, they showed it on the Oculus, but it will be supported for other VR platforms, which is Eagle Flight. (laughs) Kaka. They demoed a capture the flag three versus three eagle thing. Visually, it didn't. I bet it could be very nauseating when you were it actually could. with the headset. The art was very. But the art was it, yeah. Simple, visually, it didn't excite me. But it looked like a fun, simple it, game to play. Yeah, it could be so, a fun little simple game. So. I don't know. I don't, I don't recall eagles having sonic blasts. Yeah. <laughs> 
I thought that they should integrate it with Mike, so you actually have to go caca to shoot your son. Cool. And, yeah. and then you just have a room full of people going caca, caca, caca. Well, even better would just walk into a room and there's like one person playing online and he's Yes, it's like when they integrated for uh, Skyrim with uh, Connect, they allowed you to actually do the the say the dragon phrases and shoot the uh, shoot the dragon powers. So everyone's like going ooh, off all the time. I never actually played with that mode, but I was tempted. But had it been Kaka, I would have done it. Uh, then they transitioned to the next uh, VR title that they wanted to showcase, which was Star Trek Bridge Crew. Now that. Is exactly what I think a lot of people have been looking for. I know there's a thing, Artemis is a thing out there you do with laptops and tablets that is does the bridge crew thing. And But I think the addition of VR is going to make this really popular. To me, this, this was the sort of title that VR is built for. A sort of thing which I have trouble imagining working without VR properly. I mean, I can envision a game where you're a crew. That's, yeah. not, a, that's not a big issue. I can't tell the gameplay would be fun from what they showed. But I think if you ever wanted to be, actually be on a starship, like you wanted to role play a starship, and this is the closest thing you're going to get to not actually, without being on a set. See, my problem with this is it looks like this is the thing where you want to play with your friends as a group as you sit yeah. around and this and that. Yeah. And yeah. who owns four Oculuses or four Vibes? Exactly. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah, and so I because it seems like it'd be something you do in person, like you're actually you're using that to build your set instead of actually being on a you know your own plywood set. Uh, again, and it stressed teamwork. So even if there was an online component, you're not gonna you know teamwork things like this. I'm just having trouble imagining a, a game with randoms. Uh, I don't see it working. You need to put up the shield. No, I want to shoot my photon. Pew, pew. <laughs> I don't know, but anyway, uh, I thought it was it was a neat interview as well. So. You know, because they got some Star Trek people to actually play the game. Yeah. Showed that showed that, and then then it was a, then reading Rainbow Guy came and Lavar <laughs> Burton. Thank you, Lavar Burton, Jerry Ryan, and Carl Urban. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so anyway, uh, so interesting for those who are into the VR thing. Next up, I think this is a game that after last year's E3, Tony, you were interested in. Yeah, For Honor. Yeah, it it, it was one of the big games out of last year's E3 that interested me the most. I still don't know what to think about this. It, it looks like it could be fun, sort of hack and slash, different eras and region, famous warrior types. They showed a little segment with the guy going out to do right. a boss fight. And they, had the, they showed, last year they showed like nothing but multiplayer, and this yeah. year they showed a bunch of single player. Yeah. And the single player stuff to me was like, this seems like a game that's more multiplayer mm. needed. The single player was like, oh, that's kind of interesting, but it wasn't anything huge to me. I think the biggest thing that came out of uh, this thing is the guy doing the announcements is bloody awesome. <laughs> and they should have had him doing more stuff because he was just cool. <laughs> they did, I think Ubisoft, more than anybody else, did a really good job of having presenters that were fun and comfortable and yeah. weren't like overly nervous and this and that. But and occasionally just, weird. But occasionally weird. And we'll get to that in a couple games. <laughs> I know what you're talking about. <laughs> yes. But it, it didn't. It didn't feel. They didn't feel as forced and reading from the teleprompter script as some of the others did. Do you have any thoughts, Mike, on For Honor? Or? Yeah, it looks kind of interesting, but doesn't really stand out to me. Well, the next game didn't stand out to me, and that was Grow Up, which. 
Is that the robot one? Yes. Yeah, it's right a sequel to Grow Home. That doesn't tell me it's anything. Like, it's like, it seemed plat- platform-esque. Uh, yeah. Like trying to get to the moon. Yeah. Basically, it seemed, Grow Home was one of those games where people you either fell completely and utterly in love with it, or you just didn't care. It wasn't even, you didn't even hate it, you just didn't care, is how it came off when it came out last year, and Grow Up looks the same. Yeah, I just, I, I saw that, I was like, I don't care. Yeah, that was me. Okay, well, so much before, uh, for, for Grow Up. Uh, Alright, next was the one that we just briefly alluded to, back on For Honor, <laughs> which was Trials of the Blood Dragon, which had two presenters coming out in their finest early 90s attire... I think one of them said he was the king of Finland or something. Yeah. I could barely understand what they were saying. They, I think there might be some sexual harassment lawsuits from the number of people whose heads got <laughs> slapped and hair tousled while they were walking through the crowd. The crowd obviously did not know this was going to happen to them. Yeah. So that's why I don't know if, if the waivers had all been signed or not. I don't think so. But really, really weird way to announce a game which is a cross between Trials, like Trials HD, which was a platform bike kind of, you try and land, it's all about sticking your landings and doing these jumps, and Blood Dragon, which was a Far Cry spin-off thing, which was, I thought, a lot of fun. It was very it was 80s. Awesome. It was 80s camp. <laughs> this is not awesome. This is an abomination. <laughs> this is an abomination. Blood, I agree with you, Mike. Blood Dragon was great. Trials is loved by some people as a sort of platformer, I play a lot of platformers. I didn't like Trials. It was, in a way, it was too hard uh, because it's not about sticking the. I mean, because you have to stick the landing as a bike. It's not just like get up on the platform. So whereas I could get into Super Meat Boy, I couldn't get into Trials. But this, the gameplay seems almost all Trials. It's just while you're doing stuff, you're like shooting weird, crazy stuff in the background. <laughs> so I was just like, ah, uh, I just want Blood Dragon too. And this is what yeah. you give me, abomination. That's my summation. I I have no comment overall. It just it looked nuts. The entrance was weird. It looked nuts, and I just I don't know. All right. Well, um, next game was Watch Dogs Two that they covered. Watch Dogs failed hard. That's why I was so surprised this got a sequel. I played Watch Dogs. I got it as a gift. It was okay. It felt a lot like a last gen game that just somehow got on the current gen of consoles. And there was a lot of unrealized potential because it's all about you being this elite hacker in the first one. But it's like, all it really was is it was ostensibly you do some like mini games to, at various points to gain access to cameras and stuff. And then otherwise, when you're driving around, you would essentially be using your phone to hack certain parts of the road to you know, knock out cars by blowing up steam bikes and stuff. But it was, I mean, it's all just like push X, push X. But I mean, it's not... It just wasn't. It just wasn't good. Yeah. It was okay. It just wasn't good. It was pretty open world. But when you com- you're going to inevitably compare it to something like Grand Theft Auto, and it wasn't as good as Grand Theft Auto Four, much less I haven't played Five, but a lot of people love it. I mean, it's just it's just again, yeah. It a lot. Of, it was very criticized. So I was really surprised Ubisoft bothered to greenlight a sequel. To I've it. heard it pre-sold well, and pre-sales got the greenlight. Okay. Well, uh, I can tell it doesn't. Uh, from the footage they showed us, it's apparently not following the original protagonist. New which protagonist, is just new as well, city. just as well at that too. Uh, it's just I I don't know. It uh, didn't look. It, I think it comes down to the hacking. If they can actually make the hacking meaningful and not just like the silly gimmick that's the theme of it, 
maybe it has it can be but again it's another open world game in a field crowded with open world games. yeah so they, they didn't have a card game that we know of yeah. <laughs> the first but it's one got a control an RC car game because somehow nobody noticed this RC car driving around in an apartment or the, the, the drone that they used and, as well. Right. And, and and the super stealthy hacker who's going to get in and hack everything and then just grabs a machine gun and just starts gunning people down. I, I don't know. It didn't do it for All me. of my hacker friends are like that. <laughs> yeah, that's how they all are. Well, the final game for Ubisoft was Steep, which is an extreme winter sports game. Or as I call it, SXX 2.0. See, I really liked the last SSX. I did sure. too. And if you like that, apparently that's that's in there. There's a snowboarding in it. I yeah. saw it. This is online. I've seen this got a lot of buzz. That this was unique. It wasn't yet another shooter. But nothing about it attracted me. I was just like, and maybe that's because I haven't been a big fan of like SSX and those style of games where you're doing all the stunts and racing. They really focused on the ability to go anywhere and then like do the a whole lot on the rewind and all that and the replay and and this like yeah, I'm, GoPro style stuff. It looks interesting to me as someone who's enjoyed SSX games, but from what they showed, I'm not sure what the game is. It's literally from the from my thoughts and from the looks of it, and from the fact that you can join in groups and do stuff with friends and this and that. I think it's literally just I'm going to snowboard or I'm going to I'm going to wingsuit. I don't think there's any, there's not a goal. I don't think there's a story. Well, it seemed like you could go to certain points and then if anyone was nearby, multiplayer wise in general, they'd throw you into a race. But yeah. like, how yeah. does that work without there being lobbies? I mean, does it just like, am I racing one other person? There's one other person there? Uh-huh. I, don't, I don't know. It's just a lot of unanswered questions. It looked good visually. It looked great. Um, yeah. So, so anyway, uh, we'll have to we'll have to wait and see. Yeah, I mean, it looked okay. It looks kind of cool, but otherwise, it was what it was. Well, let's go ahead and move on now from Ubisoft and transition to the Sony conference or the game trailer extravaganza conference because I think Sony actually only had three different. Uh, presenters really come out on stage. And, and when they presented, they didn't really... It wasn't like they did the interviews and the big talks or this or that. They still mainly just presented some trailers. Yeah. And did a couple other things. I mean, it wasn't... It wasn't terrible. No, no. I, I, I would I, say I, I kinda, if, if you really only wanted to see and learn about games and just really experience uh, trailers in particular and not have explanations and stuff, that was probably your, your favorite conference. Uh, right. But I think if I, if you wanted that, they could have just dumped them on YouTube. Exactly. That was well, why it was They did do the live orchestra, which was really cool. I think in person that would have been awesome. I didn't like that God of War intro with the chanting because I couldn't place it. Felt it felt too long. Yeah. It, it felt, yeah, exactly. Well, well, I, I in person it, it was awesome. Because we, we were chatting yeah, right. while it was on and I called I yes. called that that was God of War. My, my thoughts were either they're going to start with The Last Guardian or this is going to be God of War. Because I had, I had heard before that there was rumors of a new God of War that was supposed to be based on Norse mythology. I had heard that rumor too. I had not. Yeah. And it made sense. And God of War is a huge franchise for them. So let's go ahead and start with that. Uh, it was God of War. And that's what they opened with. Uh, for me, looked good graphically. I didn't see if there was anything unique in the gameplay that was different from the old games. It, uh, everything looked Different. It looked, at least to me, it looked different because the old God of Wars seemed to be very hyper hack and slash, and this felt more like the more standard over the shoulder type games that have been more popular lately. Man of War. 
Yeah. Which, my yeah. understanding from what I've read, the kid is with you the whole game. Is he? There's, See, I expected a, the kid to die during the That's trailer. what I thought, too. Yeah, there's apparently a button tied to the kid to have him do kid context sexual... <laughs> not contextual. I wonder this is going to be like Resident Evil 4, where you... Oh, well, no, this would be different than... Because in no. Resident, like Resident Evil, you'd actually take control of the second character. Yeah, no, this is just like, he's in a certain area doing stuff, and you press a button to have him do something. That, yeah, okay. I, I don't know. It's like I said, it's jewel stuff. I'm trying. I'm stumbling over that word, but yeah, I really thought he was. Yes. Gonna, I thought the kid was going to die. Because I mean, yep, that, me that, that, that was God of War, family dead, blah 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 blah. Yeah, so it's I, Death Wish. It's Death Wish with mythology. I, so yeah. I, I thought that's what was going to happen here, and, and it's not. I mean, the game looked good, but uh, see, my actual thought was I thought it was uh, uh, Tomb Raider of War because uh, it kind of felt like the Tomb Raider, the new Tomb Raiders and stuff. The art, the way it looked. Yeah, I can see that. So, but um, Kratos is angry. Big things die. He's got a beard now. Yeah. He's a hipster Kratos. Did you say dad of war? Is that what yes. he said? Yes, dad of war. <laughs> okay, that, that fits. Uh, I, I, I've seen someone change the logo to that. <laughs> okay, so uh, after that they uh, showed footage for Days Gone. Which I thought was going to be the Last of Us at first, and I guess it's by the same group. I thought it was Last so that of fits. Us until they we uh, saw the whatever. They're zombies. Yes, I hear they're not called zombies. They've got some. They've got like they're called like freakers or something. Yeah, well, they're, they're bloody zombies. Walking Dead never says zombies yeah. either. Yeah, it's the new thing to have zombies and not call them zombies. Yeah, right. Yeah, it's almost grappling hook levels of yeah. com- commonality it, now. It was. But, there uh, were things that looked interesting. The the zombie swarming mechanic was nuts. Yeah, yes. yeah, it it was. Uh, I mean, was when they showed at the end of their of their conference, they showed some more really highlighted that element to it. I still can't uh, really tell what to make of it. The um, because the gameplay when we were seeing that part at the end of the conference, uh, it didn't feel like traditional survival horror. I mean, at least he didn't seem to be running out of bullets. No. So. Oh, and it didn't seem like it was requiring headshots to put them down no, either. No. Because so, he was just wailing full auto into a swarm, and it was just mowing them down. I am intrigued, because it seemed like maybe some survival-esque mechanics mixed with, yet again, more open world. I mean, that's what it seemed like to me. I, I too, too early to tell, but, uh, I mean, if I if I owned a PlayStation, this one would have me, color me intrigued on it. It yeah. would be one that would be on the list of watch. And some of the interviews from people who got to play, spend time with it on the floor, said in that little... In that little lumber mill area, there were th- other things you could do. There were traps you could set up. There were points where you were running and you could like gun down stuff and drop a lo- like large groups of logs to roll over the swarm. And there was all sorts of environmental stuff you could do to help you out. So it sounds like there's a lot of ways to tie everything together. So it's not just a shoot them up. But I don't know. Uh, next game up was the Last Guardian. To me, the footage looked almost identical to what I vaguely remembered from last year's E3, and I'm really surprised that they didn't show more because it's almost out. They can't. Yeah. They've they've burned the bridge. They've it's been a prime thing at E3 since 2012. Every year, The Last Guardian, they hit it hard. They hit it hard. They well, hit except it hard. last year was the first year they actually really showed it. But it's been a talking point. Well, it's been a talking point of are they going to show The Last Guardian? Right. And then they never did. And then last year they hit it hard. And, and then I looked at it and I'm like, this is what people are waiting for? Yeah. Yeah. It, 
Anyway, I was wholly unimpressed, and I looked at it. I was unimpressed last year. Oh, I was too, but I I didn't know the crowd cheered so loud. I thought maybe this would be awesome. I guess it's it's nostalgia. The Shadows of Colossus people. Yeah. That's why people want it. It's the Shadows of Colossus people. Okay, well, nothing nothing that I've ever seen about it shows me that it's a good game. No. I can't say that I've seen things that make me think it's a bad game. It's just I don't get why anyone is... Gets this hype on something like this. Um, I, I think it's purely based on who's doing it. Okay. Yep. Well, maybe maybe it'll live up to that expectation. But uh, I'll tell you what, they aren't. For those who don't know about that pedigree, it is not doing itself any favors. So I mean, that is what it is. But uh, next game up was Horizon Zero Dawn. Tomb Raider meets Robo Animals. That's <laughs> what I've gone with. I really like Tomb Raider, and this it looked interesting. I was very interested when I first saw this game last year. I was too. Before I had a PS4. And now that I have one now, I mean, it's already on my Amazon wish list. I think it looks amazing. I love the fact that it's basically, you know, way in the future Earth and there's all the animals are now robots. Yeah, I like guess they're aliens. Post apocalypse. Yeah, I guess they came from space or something. But, so, yeah. All these animals are robots and then, like, they showed, you know, you could ride some of them. You could hack them. Yeah. Yeah, that, that looked interesting. Uh, I thought it looked fun. Uh, saw they were doing, like, weakness exploits in combat. Unlike ReCore, this is more the Twitch shooter yeah. realm, though, where you're actually, you know, aiming and trying to deal with all of that. Grappling uh, There was a grappling hook. Yeah. <laughs> there was a grappling hook. And mechanic, it was open world. <laughs> the actual mechanic of, of grappling something to the ground and holding it in place was really cool. Yeah, that looked cool. And the whole hacking thing, and from the reports from the, from the floor... Where she hacked that little robo bull cow thing to ride. There's other ones you can you can hack, and they run around with you as you know, like swarms and attackers and little assistants. That's kind of cool. So there's a bunch of stuff you can do, and pretty much every report from the floor I've read or listened to, everybody loved it. Yeah, one of one of the things I heard about was uh, while from what I understand was it wasn't implemented in the E3 demo. But one of those annoying things you always have in these kind of games where you have to, like, craft stuff, but you're, like, missing a key component, apparently you can basically flag that and it will create a quest for you to actually go get that. So you don't have to figure out where to get it. That quest will move you in the right direction. That's cool. Yeah, okay, so everyone thought this would look neat. I thought it looked great last year. It still looks great. one to keep an eye on for uh, PlayStation owners. Uh, next game was was actually the highlight for me of, of the Sony conference. And that was Detroit Become Human. Yeah, me too. Uh, it just, I really, it's like choose your own adventure with hostage negotiation. <laughs> yeah, uh, and it just, it just, it seemed, di- it seemed different, just so different. Uh, I'm just, of course, they were only showing one negotiation. I'm assuming there are more crimes later on. We're Hopefully, going to doing that, and that's not just all one thing, but it just seems so deep for one particular case and, as well. And depending upon how the branches are set together, it seems like something that could have a lot of replayability. Yeah, and it could have a lot of. I don't know. I. It looks good. We'll see what actually happens because I've seen a lot of games that look like this, and when they actually come out, it's like meh. Yeah. But yeah. this, this, I don't know. I had a lot of. I think this was probably. My favorite thing I saw in all of, uh, yeah, this was my favorite thing I saw in Sony. Yeah, no, actually, I really, I really wish this was multi-platform. The uh, the only thing that I couldn't really tell uh, the Android aspect is it 
relevant? Maybe it's just for the plot. I don't well, know. Well, seeing as the negotiator guy was an android and the other guy was an android, I right. mean, I think that's just I'm what just, it is. Um, what was... I just wonder why they didn't human? do it. Was that the TV show that got canceled where there was a yeah, cop with an yeah, android yeah. buddy? Yeah, I never saw it, though. Um, I didn't see it because of well, the way everything was. I was like, this looks really interesting, but I'm not even going to try and get interested in a show like this unless it survives season one. Mm-hmm. And it didn't. It didn't. Well, it was on Fox, I believe. Yeah. So... <laughs> That was that was one of the reasons. It was like, nope, not unless it survives in the first season. The next game was Resident Evil. Uh, first person Resident Evil? Uh, I'm saying it weirdly because, Mike, you have some... You've played a little bit. I of- played the demo. They made it available on PS4, so I downloaded and played it the other day. From what I've read, they've said it isn't representative of what the main game's going to be like. I don't know if the main game's going to be first person. I think this is just kind of sort of an intro to get you into how it's going to how the style of it is going to be it didn't feel like Resident Evil to me it just felt like you're in a creepy mansion is there any game that you know of that it reminded you of I mean I, I don't know it sounds I don't know I haven't really played a lot of horror games but I mean it's basically just you wake up you're I guess you're not really sure what's going on and your whole goal is to get out of the house Okay. So you have to go around and, you know, find items to help you get out of the house, which is kind of Resident Evil-ish in a way. Right. But yeah. it also had this weird mechanic where at one point you can find a VCR tape, and you put that into a VCR, and it kind of shows you, I guess you were part of this crew that was doing some, like, reality show or something where they were going to this old house to try and find out something about it. I guess there had been, like, some unsolved murder or something. I don't remember what it was. There was a Halloween movie that did that as its plot. But the weird <laughs> thing is, you don't actually watch the tape. You play the tape. So you play through what was on the tape. That's kind of interesting. You know, you're with two other people, and I guess you're this, like, cameraman they hired for it. And at one point, one of them disappears, which I might have to go back and play it, because I'm wondering if you keep an eye on him the whole time, how it's going to do that. But the way it plays out, it kind of makes it so you want to try and focus on the other guy, because he's doing something, and next thing you know, the other guy's disappeared. Mm -hmm. And when you find him later... With his head shoved into a pipe. Spoilers. Spoilers, yes. <laughs> and then, like, you both get knocked out by someone. And so then, I guess, after that, you know, you find out. That's basically where you had woken up from at the beginning of it. But during that part, you found out that there's, like, a secret lever in the fireplace that you can open up. And so you go in there, and that's where you end up finding the key to get out. But then, of course, like, as soon as you get out, it ends because you don't actually get out. Interesting. I thought the most interesting thing about it was how perfectly they did the uh, uh, logo. The Resident Evil 7 logo. Yes. That was nice. And also, apparently, that works for in Japan where it's called Biohazard. They just put the 7 and the Z. Yeah. Mm. And, 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 they're like, and this is Resident Evil 7 Biohazard. In Japan, it's Biohazard 7 Resident Evil. Yeah. Is, okay. what, they, is what they played with it. So I think they're kind of trying to pull everything together. Mm. Well, the only thing I really thought was the that stuff with the first uh, person perspective made sense for the VR part that, yeah. they, that they're interested in for obvious reasons. So uh, that, it was after that, that they really transitioned into the PlayStation VR segment of the show. I was underwhelmed. Yeah. Um, let's see. They started with something impulse gear. I I don't even remember what that was. I don't. It was, I it it was a sci-fi first person shooter thing okay. where you were like on a planet doing. Like exploring oh, yeah. an alien planet. Thing. No, no Man's Sky, with uh, 
guns and, no, and none of the depth. I was I was just thinking, you know, it was weird going through a Sony conference without seeing No Man's Sky again. That makes sense. They would have been. They, there's no re- the reason to put it in yeah. the conference. Yeah, because it's finally coming out. So. Yeah, in a few months. <laughs> uh, so after that uh, was uh, Star Wars Battlefront VR X-wing demo, which was here's our VR experience. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so I mean, it, yeah, it was it was what it was. Uh, Batman Arkham VR Batman. Yeah, I, we don't know. I don't know. There was it was just a whole bunch of it was just, like, hey, here's a mask, a style. I, what yeah. could it be? Yeah. Well, with the Joker talking, I wonder what it. Yeah. Could be. There was nothing to see. I think no uh, idea. No I think idea. it's going to be another uh, ex- just experience, uh, just a VR experience, is yeah. from what I've heard. All right. Oh, now here's one that we should probably talk about a little bit because the next one was the Final Fantasy 15 VR oh experience. God. Fire that team. <laughs> Which was the worst VR experience of E3. Oh my! It was bad. I saw someone. <laughs> it looked so terrible. Shooting a behemoth. Moving out of the way and shooting the behemoth some more. And from what I've heard, that is exactly what it is. It was so underwhelming would be generous. It yeah. was it was the definition of that what I fear that sort of shovelware for a new device that that they thought it would actually be a good thing to showcase. I think I actually laughed when it came on. <laughs> it it, <laughs> it came on. So I, was sad. Like, I was like, oh look, more Final Fantasy oh oh how is this even worse? <laughs> I mean, it was... Yeah. And that's what they closed out their VR section with. It yeah. was like, wow, guys, come on, really? Yeah. But um, All right, so after that, we moved on to more grappling hooks, because we didn't want to forget about those. It had been a while since we had our <laughs> little open-world robo-animals, and this time it was through uh, Call of Duty Infinite Warfare. This was the first time I actually got to see any uh, decent amount of gameplay from this game. I saw... Elements of Titanfall, Halo, and Wing Commander. But what I didn't see was Call of Duty. <laughs> yeah. That was my reaction. I, I, I didn't think it looked bad or anything. It's just like, I, I mean, I'm guessing, obviously, it was single player. I'm seeing this guy owning everything with his anti-grav grenades and his sliding to use cover and his constant grappling and then killing people with neck breaks and helmet smashes. Yeah. I don't know how you break a neck and a helmet. I, I don't know. <laughs> I mean, I haven't played a Call of Duty campaign since 4. Nor I. But just because of the sci-fi aspect of this one, I'm kind of interested in playing it. I mean, I'm not paying 60 bucks for it. Yeah. I'll wait until I can get it for 15 or 20 but just to play the campaign, I might actually kind of like it. I'm probably going to be a... Hold for reviews of the campaign, and if the campaign reviews well, then get on uh, you know fifty percent plus sale. Yeah. yeah, I'd be willing to consider that because I, I mean, yeah, I did, I did really like Call of Duty Force campaign, and I've heard good things about some of the others, as I've noted in the past podcast. Uh, Call of Duty doesn't have the same issue on the campaign front that Battlefield has had, yeah. but I'm not going to be doing Call of Duty multiplayer. Uh, they, you know, their grunt-oriented, non-vehicular, non-squad stylings do not interest me. So, anyway, that was what it was. But I, I wasn't blown away. But it was very unique for Call of Duty. So, I mean, credit to them. I just, I don't know how much more into the future they're going to be able to move that franchise. <laughs> yeah, they'll move it so far into the future that they'll circle around back to the past. Oh, you know, I don't know. It's, it's, it's just, it's getting to the point where I, I feel like it's not a military shooter anymore. It's just. That it's Halo light. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. That's my concern. It's like don't don't encroach on Halo. You're not Halo, and I, you're just going to be seen as a copycat if you try and do it. Why not be what you've always been? The best 
to a lot of people, the best military shooter. But not to me. Sorry. Dice won me over. But. <laughs> uh, next was uh, Crash Bandicoot Remastered. Uh, as I noted with the remaster on Skyrim, remasters generally don't interest me, though this one is an older remaster. No. It still doesn't interest no, me. It just, no, the, the most interesting thing about this was how Sony had the screen wrapped around so it was on the floor mm. and the wall and the, and the back, and, and as he came out to present it, you could see Crash's shadow and footsteps. Yeah, that was cool. Yeah. That, that, that was, was cool. cool. I mean, it was a cool visual. Yeah, they had a cool shot. But I mean, there's orchestra in there. I don't, I've heard a lot of reviewers and, and other people talk about how excited they are for Crash Bandicoot and how much they loved Crash Bandicoot. And by the time Crash Bandicoot came out, I was so far past that type of game that I was like, okay, I, I don't care. So for where, where, where like for us, our childhood games were like you know Mario, like the original right. Mario Mario and stuff like that. For the for the kids, where Crash was their original game, like I could see where this could be a big thing, and I just didn't care. Yeah. Uh, next up was the Skylanders Imaginers. Who care? Yeah. yeah. They get, never got the Skylanders. <laughs> yeah. I, I'll give them credit for injecting more creativity into the genre with what they're offering they, up here, but they're 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 still in, they're still in the system. Disney pulled out. Disney pulled out. Yeah. yeah. So. Yeah, I, I heard about that. That. Disney just found it, I guess, too expensive to make the the toys was yeah. the problem because yeah. it was successful for them. Yeah, it was success- but the problem was was Lego moved in with their Lego Dimensions, but the number of people buying that type of game didn't change. Right, Lego just stole a bunch of people from everybody else, and Disney's like, ah, eh, it's not worth our time. Well, one of the things I heard about it too was they said, like, for I guess their original release, they didn't make enough of the figures, and then for the next one, they made too many. Yeah, that's and having purchased all that stock and not being able to sell it or having to sell it at a loss, uh, you know that can be can be devastating if it's you know huge numbers and it sounds like it was. So. All right, uh, speaking of Lego, that was next was Lego Star Wars: The Force Awakens. It's uh, a Lego game. That's what yeah. I thought. I mean, Did you try the demo yes, or something, Mike? I, I played the demo. They've thrown out a few new things to it. So uh, credit on that, because it's been a while. So I only try Lego games on occasion, and I've always enjoyed them, but it, does, it seems like incremental change is yeah. the name of the game with them. Yeah. Well, I mean, it, this was pretty much that, too. I mean, they've done a few new things where, like, the whole thing where you, like, blow something up, and then you build something with the pieces. Well, now you can build multiple different things with them. But a lot of it turned into, okay, you build this one thing, it does what you need it to do, then you, you know, beat it up to break it apart, then build the other thing to have it do what it needs to do. Um, they did, <laughs> of course, introduce a new cover-based mechanic. <laughs> there, there's one part where you're, you're Finn and Ray and you're behind cover shooting at stormtroopers. They finally let you invert the Y-axis in flying missions. Well, that's nice. It's yeah. only been like 20 games now. Yeah. Of course, they didn't tell me while I was playing until I was halfway through the section. So once <laughs> I finally inverted, now I had to get used to it. They probably saw you were crashing so much. They're like, by the way. Yeah. It was a by the way tip. But, uh, no, I mean, it was a Lego game. Okay. I'll probably get it when it's really on sale. Well, the next game is one that I couldn't tell what it is, and that's Death Stranding. It's Kojima being yeah. Kojima in a Kojima production. <laughs> Starring Daryl with an umbilical cord. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's like all pre-rendered cutscene looking stuff. Uh, I have no concept. No one has any concept of what the gameplay well, is. Here's the thing. is, From what I've heard, Kojima was still looking at engines to build the game on like less than a month ago. 
<laughs> and just a couple days ago, before the, the conference, he said, no, I'm not going to be there doing anything. But he was there and he's showing a video clip. I think this is literally just a pre-rendered thing that they got from like an idea session or a pitch session or something. And that's all they have. There's no way they've got anything else. And, you know, I don't... And there are a number of titles that were shown at, at Sony's conference, I know, that didn't have release dates. And I things this early, I really don't like seeing that stuff at E3. I mean, okay, I, I, credit, I'm, I'm curious. Yeah. It, it could be up my alley, but I have no idea. <laughs> it could be horrific, but I have no idea. And given all of that, and not knowing when it's going to come out, in two months, I'm not going to be talking about this. And in a year, I'm not going to care. And if they show me nothing more than yet another, you know, rendered cutscene at the next E3, because I don't think the game will be done, I'm going to be like, didn't I just see this already? What, you know, it's kind of like what Scalebound ran into, where they've been showing hits of Scalebound for a while, and I'm just like, I've kept it on the wish list, but... I just I don't have the momentum anymore to want it the way I used to because you showed it for three threes. Uh, that's silly. Yeah, I think this boiled down to Sony saying, "Hey, look, we have Kojima. You love him." Yes, and that and the crowd reaction was because I thought that was. I mean, it was. I thought it was awkward, really weird, and it, it just I, you have to really know Kojima to have cared. But a lot of people in the crowd did. And yes, if it's about the live event, win the crowd, and you win your freedom sort yeah. of approach. Uh, then you know, bravo, because they, it definitely got a good reaction. Even though he did nothing, that was my, he, he couldn't even stay on. He couldn't even stay on his. He timer. Even, yeah. he got ahead of his light. He got bridge. Ahead of his light bridge. <laughs> you, you got. You can't get ahead of your light bridge. There are rules. You got to stay on mark, man. That's right. Yeah, no, I. I don't know. I just think it's a. I. I think it was just that. It was. We've got Kojima. It was. Mm-hmm. You know. Here's the trophy. We've got Kojima. Well, uh, Sony's final game before they went back and did the the Days Gone play stuff that we mentioned already was uh, Spider-Man. Good Spider-Man game, maybe? I don't know. I've heard some buzz about it. I've never played a Spider-Man game. Mm. Um, From what I hear... It looked all right. Yeah, it looks okay. I think for a Spider-Man game to be good, it requires you to have good web swinging and stuff and a good physics engine. And I've never played a Spider-Man game that has. I've heard there's one that does. Like but I never Spider-Man played it. Two? Like Spider-Man Two is supposed to have them. But I never played that one. Yeah. I'm not a big Spider-Man fan in the first place, so it's not. I don't hunt out. Oh, oh, a Spider-Man game. I, I, I don't. Yeah. yeah. Well, is it this one? I want to think the developers behind it are the ones behind Infamous. I don't hmm. remember. I think that's who making it. But my big thing when I was looking at it was what is up with his costume. It's not based on any movies or anything, and it's not based directly on any comics, from what I hear. It is, it's completely... So it's based on nothing. I know, but I'm yes. just saying, huh. what's up with it? It looks weird for a Spider-Man costume. I don't know. Maybe they explain it in the game. <laughs> you just have to play it and find out. I'm not going to get it, so it's not on my Yeah, I'm not going to get yeah, it. Yeah, me neither. No, okay. Well, I guess we'll never know. Granted, I'm the only one here with a console to play. Oh, yeah, but I could buy one at any time. I, I, They're not going to run out of PlayStation. I could get a Neo when it comes out. Yeah. Um, all right, well, that was it for the Sony press conference. So this wasn't really an E3 press conference, but we need to hit Nintendo with its... With uh, a brick. With its... Well, with its... What are they, they do the treehouse, clubhouse? They basically... Yeah, they have the Nintendo treehouse, which is... Nintendo America's, like, in-house... Like, I think it's like their testing facility, basically. But they brought out a bunch of them, people to just live stream all day. Right. But in terms of sort of... 
the key elements, I guess, in their their press portion were really just two games, as I understand it. it was Legend of Zelda: Breath of the Wild and Pokemon. Let's go ahead and just hit Pokemon first, because I think that was the less... Pokemon was Pokemon. And as much as they talked about all their new features and their new specials, it's Pokemon. And it's no different than any other Pokemon game, except for very, very, very minor iteration differences. Most of which come from the fact that they may put Pokemon games out so fast... They have multiple teams working on Pokemon games. <laughs> it's the Call of Duty of Nintendo. It's the full-on Call of Duty of so Nintendo. There'll be, so there'll be Pokies in space. Yeah. With grappling hooks. <laughs> Get over here, Squirtle. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, yeah, I've never really played Pokemon. I mean, I, I've tried them before, but I've never really, really played a Pokemon game. I thought that it could be neat to do the Battle Royale thing where the four trainers are going against each other at once, but I would have rather done a, to borrow a magic thing, a two-headed giant sort of yeah. two. I think Battle Royale stuff I never think works as well, other than in like fighting game Battle Royale, like Smash. I've never really seen Battle Royale work as well as team sort of coordinated mm-hmm. Uh, because it always ends up, everybody picks just he just picks one guy a person at yeah. random, and everybody drops one yeah. guy and yeah, drop yeah, one yeah. guy. And drop one guy. I mean, I guess in shooters, sort of the pure deathmatch lone wolf style can't. It's never been a format I've really favored. But other than in that area, and then the Smash area, I've never seen a lot. But really, other than Battle Royale, nothing caught my eye as quote unquote revolutionary about the Pokemon. No, it's a new Pokemon game. I mean, I'm sure it'll be as enjoyable as the last ones, but. Okay, so let's move over into Zelda then, because that one is quite a bit different. Yes. Uh, let's see. Lots of gameplay mechanics. I saw that there was crafting. There's Assassin's Creed-style climbing. There's stealth elements. There's object creation and summoning, like summoning platforms for you to climb on. Massive area of effect attacks. And, of course, open world. And breaking weapons. And Oh, yes, durability. And he gets a magical tablet that, from the leaks, looks a lot like the supposed NX controller. <laughs> okay. Well, I did read all of those leaks were fake. Were they? Yes. Mm. So, anyway, all of these, all of these elements, uh, some of them have been in, in past Zelda games. Uh, some of them have been popularized in more modern games. What are the thoughts? Well, I think going an open-world approach with it is... I like that. Because Zelda's always had a bit of an open world rust to it, but it was always, well, you have to get this certain item to go to this location, then you get an item from there to go to another location. Whereas this, they didn't actually show any real dungeons. They showed uh, what they were calling shrines, which there's supposed to be like a hundred or so of them in the game or something. But they're basically just, they're basically short little dungeons you go into and you just get from the start to the end. There's diff- different puzzles in it, but you can solve them different ways, which is different for a Zelda, because usually it's, yeah. you go into a dungeon, you find your boomerang, all your puzzles are for your boomerang. You find your hookshot, all your puzzles are for your hookshot. This, they actually showed them, yes, grappling hook. They actually showed them, at, I mean, at certain times during the stream through the whole, like, two days they were streaming, sometimes you saw the same areas over and over again, but they'd play through them in different ways. So, like, one time you'd see them solve a puzzle one way, and then... The next day, someone else would be playing, and they're like, well, I like to do it this way. Because there were certain tools that they showed that he had, and I'm sure there's a lot of them in the game, but you had, like, a magnet you could use to move certain things around. Um, You had an ability to basically stop time for certain objects. And so there would be puzzles where, to how, how you solved them, you could either use the stop time mechanic, or you could use, like, the magnet mechanic to, like, move something across. It looked interesting to me because I like that 
it's more open in how you can solve to right. getting from point A to point B. Right. And uh, yeah, I think going open world, I mean, we've been, obviously we've been somewhat uh, critical uh, in a amusing way, just in terms of the volume of open world stuff we're seeing come out of game developers lately. But Legend of Zelda has always at least flirted with wanting to create the illusion of open worldness. And they yeah. now have the opportunity to actually do it. It's always, I felt, been a game that tried to feel and be as epic as technology would allow them to pull off. And so I think this is a natural iteration for them. Uh, it looked enjoyable to yeah. me. It's the first Legend of Zelda that has interested me in a long time. I do find it interesting that they're doing this whole straddling console thing with Zelda again. Because didn't they do that between the Wii and the Wii U? Yeah, they the, did that with Twilight Princess. Yeah. My sense, uh, and I know, Mike, you follow Nintendo a lot closer than I do since I haven't owned a Nintendo since the Super Nintendo. <laughs> but um, my my sense wasn't that they went into doing the development planning for that to be the case. I don't think I don't think Nintendo planned planned for the NX to come out this soon. I think I think felt that is a to, I think that is a running theme with all of these companies. I think something tipped their hands, and they're all rushing to get new hardware out. Right. I. I mean, and I, I think it's all for different. I think it's all for different reasons. Yeah. Well, I with think Nintendo, it's the they Wii, lost. The, yeah, the Wii U has not done what the Wii did. Right. No. And a lot of that is their fault because a lot of people they saw this Wii U coming out, and they're like, "Oh, well, it's just an add-on." They didn't realize it's a whole new console. Yeah. That was a naming. That was a naming issue. Yes. And the whole motion controls that were quaint in Wii didn't work as well in the Wii U. The the giant controller video screen thing. It's mixed. In some games, it works very well. I mean, obviously you couldn't have a game like Mario Maker without that because you build your levels with that touch screen. But in other games, it's not used at all. Mm -hmm. It's basically just, here's the game and the game is also on your controller. Um, some games, it's basically, well, here's your map down here, so you don't have to bring it up, which is always kind of nice. But, yeah, it's just, it hasn't been selling remotely near what the Wii right. did. And my, my sense has been, which, you know, may not may not be accurate, but I think Nintendo's kind of, their two big blunders in moving into the new generation was, the big one was the name. Mm-hmm. That you made it sound like it was a PlayStation Neo or an Xbox One S. Like it's an incremental difference and not really a different machine, which confused a lot of casual people. Which we have to remember, a lot of those sales on the original Wii were to casual people who did not normally acquire consoles. Yeah. And I think the second thing that they should have been aware about if they tracked community discussion, gaming discussion, online discussion from gamers, but maybe didn't corporately pay attention to, was that a lot of people who owned Wii's didn't play them a lot. That they were the ongoing jokes about games. that they were for party games and then they just sat collecting dust and that everyone was playing their PS3 and their Xbox 360 instead. And so while they sold a whole bunch of units in the Wii generation when everyone was getting into their unique motion control stuff, that that market wasn't clamoring for new stuff because a lot of the products that weren't first-party Nintendo titles were kind of crappy. Yeah. And so they didn't win themselves a lot of favors with the quality of game that was coming out on the machine. And they didn't make their new console be able to compete with the new ones that were going to be coming out around the same time. Because... The Wii, I mean, I played a lot of the Wii. I have a lot of games on it, but it was also the first generation where I bought a non-Nintendo console. Well, and I think there also have been hurt uh, 
by the demographics. Nintendo has always skewed young mm-hmm. for their player base. Those players now, they play tablets and smartphones. That's and that's a challenge I think that all of them the people are, are coping with. In fact, I think that's that's where so well Nintendo's got this set. I think this whole thing with the Neo and the Scorpio from from Sony and Microsoft mm-hmm. is driven by a them looking at the life cycles of phones and thinking maybe this will work for consoles and we do incremental upgrade life cycles like that. Coupled with the fact that we need to remember the last generation, unusually long life cycle for the It was. Consoles. It was like double yeah. normal. Yeah. And I think a lot of them are, I think that is being seen rightly or wrongly. I think companies are seeing that as an, as an abnormality, not the new norm. I know a lot of people were talking during the end of those life cycles. Maybe this is the new norm and that the PlayStation 4 and the Xbox One are going to go that long. They obviously don't want it to be that way. Uh, And I'm not surprised. Uh, And whether or not why the last gen was like that, if it had to do with huge recession that everyone had or just the the weirdness with the Wii being, you know, know, three major manufacturers were having really good sales last gen. It was really weird. Normally, you know, before that, uh, Xbox versus PS2, uh, PS2, uh, and what was it, the GameCube. GameCube, and PS2 just owned the market, so much of the market share, uh, and last gen was much more equitable. You had Wii with the major sales, uh, 360 and, and PS3 in the US were very similar, and they had most of the game sales in the end, because the Wii did what we you know mentioned yeah. before with the, with the poor third-party support, but... Okay, well, that was the Nintendo segment, but I, at this point, given their streaming and there were a lot of other things going on during E3, I wanted to take this time to sort of open it up and let's talk about anything else that caught any of your eyes during E3 that you wanted to bring up that you think people should know about. The new Civ game looks better and better. Civilization Six. Civilization Six. The changes look to make the game uh, more dynamic and fun than normal. They're then not normal, but then it has been. I'm not going to go real deep into it. I know there's a lot of new screenshots. There's some video out there now you can find pretty easily. It's, uh, but it looks, the new way they're handling wonders and city building and, and uh, empire growth and stuff looks like it's all good changes. I'm even have, more excited for it now than I was when, they made, when the announcements happened originally. Oh, cool, cool. Mike, did, was there anything else as part of this E3 time period that's of interest that you wanted to bring up that we have not? Yeah, there was a few things. Um, as someone who likes a lot of Japanese-style games, um, on Nintendo's second day of streaming, they did show a little bit of the new game from Atlas coming out. That Its Japanese release name was, I think, Shin Megami Tensei Crossfire Emblem. I heard about that game. Its U.S. release is called like Tokyo Mirage Sessions or something weird like that, but... I did. They did show some footage of it. Um, the combat looks very cool. It's more traditional turn-based, but um, could you describe the? I'm not familiar with this at all. So, well, Atlas is known for right now. Their big thing, which I'll talk about in a bit, is they're known for Persona, right? Which was a spinoff from the series called Shin Megami Tensei. Mm-hmm. Um, I've not played any of those, so I can't really tell you much about them. They're JRPGs. Okay. Um, Fire Emblem is a Nintendo kind of strategy RPG. This game is kind of crossing over certain elements of them. It looks a little more Persona-based from what people have been commenting about it. But okay. basically, you have you have your teenagers in Tokyo, and I guess some of them are like trying to be pop idols or something like that. But then they have 
the aspect of it that comes from Fire Emblem is they have these things called, I think they're performas. So it's sort of oh. like a persona, but... <laughs> it sounds the same. Yeah, okay. but their, their performers that they summon are based more on Fire Emblem characters. Okay. I, what little I saw the combat, it was basically, you had like three people in your party, but certain attacks, when you attacked, your other characters would attack as well. That's cool. But you could also have your characters that weren't actually in the party fighting, but were like standby characters. They could come and like chain attacks off of that. And I mean, there was one part where I saw that it was a chain of like seven or eight attacks. That's cool. Yeah, and I mean, it looked kind of cool, but it's also got you know, once you like complete certain things, you see the characters do their whole like pop idol type thing where they sing and dance and all that kind of stuff. <laughs> it's very Japanese, <laughs> and it's out. I think next week. Oh wow, that's a yeah. Uh, what um, else is coming out on? Do you know? It's Wii U. Wii U only. Yeah. Wii U. Right. And then, of course, there's Persona 5, which looks amazing. Well, it's a um, Persona game. Yes. I mean, that's... it. I mean, Atlas is very good at... They're stylized with the way things look. And, I mean, the music is going to be awesome. Every Persona game I've seen just has had amazing music. I mean, I was introduced with Persona with Persona 4 Arena, which was a fighting game spinoff. But the music in it was awesome. I played uh, Persona Q on 3DS, which was... A crossover between Persona 3 characters and Persona 4 characters. My understanding is it doesn't play like a Persona game. It's more of a first-person dungeon-crawling type thing. The characters are great. The music is great. And that's really what I like seeing with those kind of games. Is I think a lot of RPGs kind of live or die by their characters. Yeah, because so, if you don't care about the character, why would you play the game? Yeah. So, and I mean, Persona games seem to be really good about that. And there's always kind of uh, thir- certain things about how you build your relationships with your party members. And the trailer for it looked amazing. It's out... I think Japan's getting it on PS3 and PS4, but in the U.S. I think it might only be PS4. I'm not certain. And then um, I saw a few things. Um, Xseed, which likes to bring over a lot of niche Japanese games. They had they released a whole bunch of trailers for some of the stuff they're releasing. Um, a few of them that caught my eye was uh, one of the game called Akiba's Beat, which is kind of a spiritual successor to Akiba's Trip. Okay, I was like, Akiba sounded so familiar. Yes, it's... The Akiba's Trip was the one where you tore off the clothes? Yeah, oh, it was like the anti-vampire... Yeah, yeah. anti-vampire You you basically went around beating people up in order to defeat them, you had to strip them. Yes. I loved that game, it was so fun (laughs) and campy. But this one is more... The similarities are, it takes place in Akihabara, which is, for those that don't know, it's basically... It's geek mecca in Japan, basically. Okay. Um, you know, all of your game stores, your manga stores, anime stores, maid cafes, all that kind of stuff there. But this one is more, it looks to be more of just a normal RPG style game. Mm-hmm. So you have different party members and stuff. And of course, you know, you've got the, all your geek type characters. One of them, of course, is an idol and all that kind of stuff. But it's something I'm going to keep an eye on because I like those kind of games. And uh, one of the other trailers they showed was for Fate Extella, which is a kind of Dynasty Warrior style Fate spinoff. Nice. Which, I've, never, I've never played a Dynasty Warrior. I've seen some footage. I've seen uh, like the Gundam ones, for example. Yeah, I've, I've played the I, Gundam ones. I've played some Dynasty Warrior. Oh, I don't even know which number it was. And I've played the Gundam one and some stuff. It's To me, Dynasty Warriors is pretty much the epitome of hack and slash for hack yes. and slash reasons. Where you just are thrown against tons of opponents who mostly just stand there and take your hits. Yes. Yeah. 
But this one, it's characters from the whole Fate series, which started with Fate Stay Night. Yeah. Which was originally like a hentai game. Of course it was, because um, Japan. Yes. But, I mean, it's spun off a lot since then. You know, there's been all the anime and lots of different games. This one is bringing in characters from all sorts of different games. So there's, I think, three different Saber characters. Wow. So you have um, Artoria Pendragon, who is the Saber from the original Fate Stay Night, who was a gender-swapped King Arthur. Hmm. You have another Saber who pretty much looks exactly like her, but wears red and is actually Nero. <laughs> also gender-swapped. Um, well, your main, character, your, your main character has to have a love interest, so... Yeah, well, I don't know. Japan. <laughs> um, there was another Saber that I think was introduced in the most recent game, Fate Grand Order, I think it was called. There's Gilgamesh as an archer class. Um, there's the normal archer that we know from original Fate Stay Night. He's in it. Um, one of the casters is from... I don't know what game she's in, but she's basically like a fox girl. Of course she is. Of course, there's always a fox girl. <laughs> um, who else were they throwing into it? They have like some Lancer character from a game I never heard of. I mean, it looks like it'll be fun. Nice hack and slash type game. Can't go wrong with a good hack and slash. Well, you can. There's been some bad hack and slashes. Yeah, there? there's been some bad ones. But <laughs> well, any anything else? Not really. I mean, just a few other little things here and there. I mean, I saw a new trailer for King of Fighters 14 now. That's out in August. A lot of people are looking at that and saying, hey, Capcom, why couldn't you do that? Because it's launching with 50 characters, full story mode, all of the stuff that Street Fighter V doesn't have. <laughs> the Street Fighter yeah, yeah. No, Capcom hurt Capcom, I know bad. Capcom's even admitted at this point, they came out and said that they mishandled their launch. Yeah. Capcom's normally fairly silent, I think. Yeah, well, they bungled this one uh, too bad to stay Well, silent. Capcom's had, a, and I think rightly so, gotten a lot of criticism for a lot of their gaming business practices of late. And, you know, they were kind of, it felt like they were kind of on top just a few years ago, like around 2010 or so. They were having a lot of really great things going on, and now most of their franchises have stumbled, and then they bungle this release. I don't know if it's because they're focusing so much on mobile gaming or what, but... And financially, the, my understanding is their uh, reports have indicated they're in a lot of trouble. So, anyway. Maybe they need to start, start making just nothing but pachinko machines. You know, uh, I think Konami has actually started to say we're going to try and focus back more into gaming because they were going big into pachinko for a while. Yeah. Is it not working out for them? Or, I don't know. I don't know. Okay, well... I think we've probably covered enough for this episode. Uh, for our longest episode ever. Yeah, yeah. So, well, Mike, thank you very much for coming onto the podcast yes, and you. helping us out, getting through all this E3 coverage. Um, I, I watched pretty much all of it, luckily. I'm off on Mondays, so I caught, like, all of the things live as they were happening. <laughs> yeah, it was. I tried to I tried to listen to some at work. Like, I caught most of the Microsoft conference while I was at work, but then it was... Uh, yeah, I had to drive back, and then um, so I, I saw all of Sony because they had a really good time for me, and I saw all of Ubisoft. But it was hard. Saw, it was hard. Sony and it was hard to uh, do EA and and Microsoft because they're they're just during the day when yep. I, when I'm still working. But I guess uh, let's go ahead and wrap things up with the uh, Facebook. Uh, if you want to reach us on Facebook, it's facebook.com/slash Eclectic Gamers Podcast. You can also email the show at Gmail, which would be eclecticgamerspodcast at gmail.com. We're available on Twitter at eclectic underscore gamers. 
and we will try and be back at two weeks like usual. So and it'll be shorter. Yes, it should be. It should be shorter at least. But hey, I'm not going to say any promises. We're setting new trailblazing ground here. Well, yeah, but it, it it'll it'll be shorter. So, <laughs> so anyway, until next time, I'm Dennis. I'm Tony, and goodbye, everyone.